dating life in Berlin was interesting to say the least. There are a lot of different characters out there, but the one observation I did make is it always draws in the same types of people. And by that, I mean it's always people who want to find themselves. Berlin's one of those transient cities where people just come and go and they're never there for a long time. So you could say people who try to start a life in Berlin, they're there for a good time, but not a long time. <laughs> and they're also there for an interesting time, but not a meaningful time. <laughs> wow. Hello, and welcome back for a new episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. This is a very exciting episode because we're actually going international for the first time, and I'm excited to introduce my friend Kylie Tran. We met actually when I was in Berlin. We met on a free walking tour. I was alone. She had just moved to Berlin from Australia. And I was asking our tour guide about going to this bar crawl and literally asked, is it weird if I go alone? And Kylie came up and was like, oh, I'll go with you. And from there, a beautiful friendship has formed and remained a year and a half later. So yeah, Kylie, so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, as you know. <laughs> yes, we've been planning for it for a while. And as I did mention, Kylie is Australian. So she returned to Australia recently and is back home right now. How's it been? It's been really surreal reconnecting with my loved ones and my family and friends. And sort of odd in a way because I was in the mandatory hotel quarantine since, you know, the world right now is a little bit as you can say, up in flames in some areas. <laughs> and I came back into the hotel quarantine. First five days was super tough. Came out about six days ago. And mm. since then, I've had a little bit of an internal dilemma in regards mm. to feeling a bit like odd about the transition between mm -hmm. living abroad and coming home and expecting myself to feel differently once I came home. But oh. it all feels a little bit too familiar. I'm not sure how to feel about it yet, but I think it's just an adjustment period. But overall, it's been so nice to spend time with some of my loved ones and I've yet to see some people. So really looking forward to it. Yeah. So when you say you expected to feel differently, what changes did you anticipate? Like when I was living abroad, I sort of felt like I learned so much about myself, like even more than I had previously. And I just felt like my mind was opened in so many different ways. And so I thought when I came back to Sydney, I would see it through fresher eyes. Mm -hmm. But coming back, everything is exactly the same. The whole city looks the same. My family's the same, which is a good Aww. thing. My mates are still the same. There's still great food. But I think the thing I expected to feel differently was the way I felt in the city. Mm -hmm. For example, in yeah. Berlin, when I was there, I felt like for being such a big cosmopolitan city, you feel so surprisingly relaxed there. And that's why I moved mm. there in the first place. That's how I felt mm -hmm. when I traveled there. So yeah. I thought, oh, maybe now that I have this new mindset and my eyes are a bit more open to the world around me, maybe I'll see more of the good things in Sydney. Mm -hmm. But I haven't yet. 
Mm-hmm. I know it's been six days, so I'm yeah. giving myself time. But I think I'm getting to a place where I was stressing out, but now I've realized that I need to be more gentle with myself and give myself mm-hmm. time to adjust and give myself yeah. time to just settle back in and rebuild a life because somewhat I feel like I'm starting from square one again. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair because you uprooted your whole life and, you know, had to settle in and really get acclimated into a culture that's very different from your own. And then, I don't know, I feel like you were on this amazing holiday and then it must have been a very sharp transition to go from holiday to just quarantining in a hotel room for 14 days. So I feel like you've had a lot to adjust to in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think so. And even this year when I was in Berlin and I tried to, you know, build a life there a little bit by getting a full-time job, because, you know, in 2019, when we met, I had quit my job in Sydney, came to Berlin to do nothing, essentially, like just to Mm -hmm. enjoy life and live life for the first time the way I've always wanted to do it, like just to travel, to meet people, to, you know, get to know new cultures, enjoy all the amazing food abroad, like just Mm -hmm. all the experiences one would dream to have in their life one day and I did all of that and 2019 was one of the best years of my life but this year as you know COVID-19 struck and so much didn't go to plan and I was stuck by myself in my flat for two months straight Uh, and then trying to build a life in Berlin was very difficult as well so yeah and that goes into a lot of factors contributed to that. Yeah, so I feel like there are so many cultural assumptions that people might make both about Australia and about Berlin. So for example, like just the fact that you quit your job and traveled around Europe, I feel like that's everyone's perception of Australians is like, you guys are so cool and so cultured and so well traveled (laughs) and carefree. And you definitely live up to that. And then when it comes to Berlin, I feel like that's also a city that has a lot of stereotypes around it and a lot of expectations, even for people who might not have been, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, since you lived there for a year and a half, What were some of the biggest cultural differences? Were there any big surprises about the city that you weren't expecting before you moved there? Just would love to hear all about it. So one of the things I noticed first about Berlin is that people here, people in Berlin don't like small talk. So for example, Mm -hmm. when you go to a cafe, they're pretty much like, what do you want? (laughs) Okay, get out of the way now. (laughs) Here's your coffee. Bye. See you later. So they do not do the whole small talk thing. And they're not like, Mm -hmm. hi, how are you today? Like when you go to Australia, they're like, hi, how are you today? What would you like? Oh, Mm -hmm. is that all? Thank you so much. Just the waiting areas over there. Like they're super polite. And I feel like that's similar to America as well. Oh, yes. You know, it's very, would you say so? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest cultural shocks for me coming to Berlin. And also Mm -hmm. whilst I was in Berlin, I learned from a lot of people that Berlin as a city itself Mm -hmm. is known as the city that turns up its nose at other people. So they're known (laughs) as one of the cities that just don't like interacting with other people. They Mm -hmm. are sort of every man for himself type thing. Yeah, And everyone just sticks to their own thoughts and root in life and that's it. It's very individual. Whereas if you've grown up in Sydney, like I did, Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone has their own, you know, set group of friends, but life is very much based around your loved ones and having those meaningful connections. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Berlin, I didn't find out till later, but meaningful connections are very difficult to come by. 
So yeah. that was one of the biggest shocks for me in Berlin. Yeah, that is so daunting. And it's so incredibly brave to move to any city where you don't know people, but especially a city like that, that has the reputation for being a little bit cold, if I may say. And so from my perspective, I think, you know, when we first met, I was thinking like, oh, this girl is going to have so many friends. She's going to just like be meeting people left and right. Because like I mentioned, like you were so open and cool and approachable when I met you. And I was like, oh, well, if it was so easy for us to connect, of course, she's going to have this experience with other people. But of course, that doesn't really account for those cultural differences and the fact that people might not be open to that. So I guess I would love to hear like, how was your experience making both friendship connections and romantic connections as a whole? Mm. So my experience in regards to friendship connections, I guess I'll address that one first. I think that was the biggest hurdle in -hmm. Berlin because I really value friendship and meaningful connections and having, you know, people that you can always spend time with and that share the same values and morals as you. And Mm -hmm. you can, you know, talk about anything in the world and it just comes so naturally. Like Mm -hmm. that's, what I crave as a person in regards to social interaction. I never realized how big this was for me until I did go to Berlin and it was hard to come by. And the people I met, I met people in real life and online. Mm -hmm. Quite a few were through like Bumble BFF. And a lot of them at first, they seemed totally normal, Mm -hmm. totally, you know, drama free, which is what I strive for. But later on, whether that be a month later, two months later, Eight months later, some hidden part of them would always come out of the woodwork and Mm. it would take me by a complete shock. But then after a while, I wouldn't say it was shock anymore. It was just more confusion (laughs) as to why people are like this. Like, why don't they just present the real them straight away? And I feel Mm -hmm. like in Berlin, a lot of it has to do with people just not being genuine and representing Mm. their authentic self. And I feel like what is the point of trying to be friends with someone or get to know someone on that level if you're not ready to, you know, be real and be you? Because what else is there to a friendship rather than two people connecting based on who they are as people? Mm -hmm. And I don't see how that can happen if there's one person that's holding everything back and just presenting, would you say, the best version of themselves rather than the real them. And that Mm -hmm. was one of my struggles, I think, with the friendship side of it. As you know, there are a lot of stories about that. And it's just wild because, yeah, quite a few. Yeah, and I think I said to you at one point, I feel like it's either I looked in the wrong places for friendships or I had the worst string of luck over the year and three quarters of a year that I lived in Berlin that I just was not able to make meaningful connections with people. I left with like a few friends that I'm very fond of and that Mm -hmm. we will definitely keep in touch, but Mm -hmm. it was so difficult to find them. And I found them right at the end Uh, of my time in Berlin. So yeah, and it took forever. So I think friendships was one of the things that prompted me to think about moving back to Australia actually, because Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, but as a human being, you need that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and not having that was really, really difficult for me. And I don't like to admit that I want that meaningful connection Mm -hmm. because, you know, 
I feel like we've had the conversations about like, you know, being independent women and, you know, paving our own path in the world, not needing anyone Mm -hmm. to fulfill us. And I still have that in me. And I think that's why there are these thoughts that come up for me where Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to have to fill that gap. Like I'd rather fill my own gaps in my life, but you can't when it comes to social interaction, you sort of rely on other people for that. Yeah. 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 It's something that definitely resonates with me because to your point, I do feel like we're really independent. I was an only child. And so I kind of had to rely on myself a lot for like entertainment and emotional support and just, you know, dealing with things that you don't talk to your parents about. So mm-hmm. I feel like as a result, of course, it kind of impacted me twofold. It's like, because of that, I feel like I really value that friendship connection very much because it wasn't like just a given where I have this sister or even brother who I'm so close to and just, they're always Mm going to be around. But at the same time, I think sometimes it can make me a little bit slower to open up just because I have kind of had to rely on myself for that for a long time. So yeah, it's an interesting balance to strike. Yeah, it is. I can't say the same about being an early child. I'm mm-hmm. in a family of four children. <laughs> oh, so fun. <laughs> it was wonderful. And now that we're all adults, we're all really, really close. And we've always, you know, stuck by each other's side, as you said, like as you'd mm-hmm. expect with siblings. And we've always yeah. been really tight knit. But in regards to the independent side, I think that mostly came from my mum. Like growing up, my mum always told me like, whatever you believe in, you stand up for that no matter what. You'd never mm-hmm. let anyone step all over you or tell you that, something you're doing is not right or that you're not right. And you need to also, you know, stand up for your siblings and be there for them. And also remember that you never need anyone to make Mm -hmm. you feel like you've achieved or that you're fulfilled. All you need is yourself. And so I think that has really stuck with me. And it was really interesting because the other day I was speaking to my little sister about it and she said, I don't remember these conversations, but she is four years younger than me. So that's probably okay. why. And it didn't yeah. resonate with her at the time. But for me, I was probably nine or something when my mom started saying these things to me or eight. So quite yeah. young, but it just stuck with me. And I think that's why I've grown up to be, I think, tougher than usual. And I have this sort of resilience when it comes to situations that aren't ideal. Because, you know, life will throw things at you. And you just have to decide how you're going to handle it. And that's happened a lot, as it does with everybody in life. And you just have to notice how you're feeling and how you're going to deal with it. And that's been a process for me, too, because when I was Mm -hmm. younger, I was the most angsty teenager ever. Really? Yes, I was the most angsty teenager ever. Oh, my gosh. I would get angry at the drop of a hat. My temper... (laughs) was so low and I had no tolerance for stupidity so anytime I met someone that would piss me off or say some stupid shit I would tear them apart with my words oh my god that's so different from you now yeah I I try to stay away from that because it's too much stress for me I say this to a lot of people but as I've grown up I've gotten softer like Mm -hmm. I'm a lot I'd say more forgiving yeah um, in my adult years because I feel like you know At this point, I've gone through enough stuff to know that sometimes people just fuck up and it's okay. People fall short all the time and it's okay as long as, you know, they come back better and your relationship comes back stronger. That's all right. But as a teenager, I was like, no, you wrong me once, it's over. (laughs) One strike. Yeah, I was like, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for you and your stupidity getting in the way of achieving greatness. (laughs) People who have met me in my adult years, they're like, what? 
oh, that's how you were? And I was like, yes. Yeah, okay, I'm shocked. In like a tiny person, just being oh so God. intimidating towards people. And people told me like, you're really small, but you're extremely intimidating. Wow. And I was so proud every time I got that comment. I was like, thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> thank Conversely, you. <laughs> I don't think that I've ever intimidated anybody. So I don't know what that's like, but that's so funny to hear <laughs> that you were so aggressive. <laughs> I was and I always thought I was being aggressive for the right reasons but I think it was just a lack of understanding for other people when I was younger Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. and as I said I've grown so much as a person especially in my 20s Mm -hmm. Um, especially my early 20s I feel like the period between up until my mid-20s that was really life-changing I think like I learned a lot about myself and then everything followed on from there and I'm happy (laughs) <laughs> with who I am now I'm glad I'm mm-hmm. not as angry as I used to be because that was stressful that was yeah. extremely exhausting and that's no way to live life so that's true it's like taxing it is and it makes everything so much more difficult for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you stress yourself out by doing these things because at the end of the day it's just life and things happen people yeah. are there people come people go people stay you just have to just let it be and see what happens. Yeah. And that's me now. So it's very different to how I used to be. Wow. <laughs> so talking about the difficulty of meeting friends, I guess we can kind of yeah. lead into how that translated to meeting guys as well. Yeah. Okay. So dating life in Berlin was interesting to say the least. So there are a lot of different characters out there because Berlin's one of those international cities mm-hmm. that draws in a lot of people from all over the world. But the one observation I did make it's, it always draws in the same types of people. And by that, I mean, it's always people who want to find themselves. They come okay. to Berlin. Berlin's one of those transient cities where people just come and go and they're never there for a long time. So you could say people who try to start a life in Berlin, they're there for a good time, but not a long time. <laughs> and they're also there for an interesting time, but not a meaningful time. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's all like about the action mm-hmm. and nothing about continuing with effort or putting in any sort of, you know, meaning to their connections. What I could say is because Berlin's known as like a partying city, you know, mm-hmm. drugs, alcohol, sex, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's one of the really big things that need to be there to make a, if you could call it a friendship work. Mm-hmm. And because I'm not a big partier, I yeah. don't do drugs. I drink sometimes, but like a little bit. It's not a huge part of me. Mm-hmm. I found that without that, it was more difficult to connect with people, which is wild because yeah. in Australia growing up, you didn't need that part of you to connect with people. The most important mm. part was who you are as a person and your morals and your values at the end of the day. But yeah. in Berlin, it was what you were interested in because okay. your interests would drive what you did as friends and in dating as well so usually in Berlin what I found was people always like oh do you want to go for a drink yeah that was it that's all they wanted and I would always say (laughs) I would always push and say so that's around my dinner time so I'm gonna need some food yes I love that we we can grab a bite to eat and then we can go for a drink how does that sound and if they said no I was like okay see you later then good for you and I've always said this but like when you're meeting people on the apps right Mm-hmm. when you talk to them, usually I feel like I have a pretty good read on people on the app. Yes. Because like once you talk to them a little bit, 
you can sort of weed out the weirdos and yes. like the sleaze bags and stuff. But mm-hmm. there are a few that get through the cracks, you know. Oh, absolutely. But I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But generally, I feel like I did a pretty good job. Although dating in Berlin is difficult if you want something real. Mm-hmm. And I found that because a lot of people don't know what they want. So a lot of the guys mm-hmm. I went on dates with, they thought they knew what they wanted. They're like, yeah, I want a long-term relationship. I want something mm-hmm. more meaningful. Yeah. And then as soon as we would connect, they would run for the fucking hills. Yeah. I'm like shaking my head right now because I'm like <laughs> relatable. Oh. They just have, like, no identity when it comes to who they are in the dating world. I'm just like, just, if you don't want anything, just say you don't want anything. Why are you trying to make people by pretending Mm -hmm. to be something you're not? But that's what I found. And some guys just had no clue what they wanted, but they were open about that. So that's fine. Because I think as long as you're honest, no one gets hurt in a sense, or no one is confused at the end of the day. With the few people that... I think about when I talk about they don't know what they want, but they think they yes. do. Yes. It was great because I found out very quickly. So I didn't waste mm-hmm. any time. I didn't mm-hmm. waste any time trying to connect with someone and thinking that it was something. So it happened yeah. very quickly for me, which I think is very lucky because it I didn't is. have to, you know, be in something with someone who had no idea what they wanted and then would have run anyway. Yeah. Like it's better so- it happened a few dates in rather than like 10 dates in or something. A lot of what you have said kind of resonates with an experience dating in Los Angeles. I feel like there's kind of a Peter Pan syndrome, depending on the guys that you meet, where they just feel like they have forever to settle down and find themselves. And so that does make it hard to form a meaningful connection with somebody like that. And there is a lot of guys maybe thinking that they want something, but then not actually being ready for it when it does get to that stage. So from your experience, what were the telltale signs that a guy was only faking wanting to have something serious? Like, how did you weed them out only a few dates in rather than getting sucked in? So... This would sound very confronting, but I'm one of those Mm -hmm. people who I will ask the hard-hitting questions on the first Mm -hmm. date, and I don't care if it scares (laughs) you. Because if it scares you, you're not the one for me, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then, in turn, I don't waste my time, Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid for people to think that I'm a bit weird for asking, like, (laughs) questions that people would say are taboo on the first few dates. Okay, such as? You know? Such as, I would say, so... What are you looking for? Like, are you still dating other people? What's your dating status at the moment? Mm -hmm. And I feel like people are always really confronted by this. And they always answer indirectly. Mm, Because they don't want to tell you they're dating other people. Although a question is just a question. I'm not expecting anything in particular. But people always assume that as a woman, and I feel this, as a woman, you're expecting a particular answer. So they tiptoe around that a lot. And you can tell when they're doing that. And you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. You're not being honest already, so bye. Red flag, yeah. Red flag, huge red flag. Because if you can't be honest and answer a simple question and just be genuine with yourself and with me, Mm -hmm. then what is the point? Like, why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. And just questions about, like, I know that this is something people say you shouldn't talk about on the first (laughs) few dates, but dating history, exes, Mm. past Mm -hmm. relationships, and hearing the way they talk about people they used to date really tells you a lot about a person. Yes. So if they sit there and they shit all over their exes and they say all this (laughs) bullshit about them, you can tell that they're just really, they're spiteful. And maybe, Mm -hmm. of course, they were wronged, but 
at the end of the day, even if you were wronged, I don't know if it's right to talk about people in that light, like to talk yeah. about them like they're nothing because you mm-hmm. they were your everything once. So yes. how can you just go ahead and talk about them like they're just pieces of shit on the ground? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's how yeah. I feel sometimes. And that's a huge red flag, the way people talk about other people because I feel like it really communicates how respectful they are yes. as a person yes. and in turn how they would be with you. Yeah. So I really appreciate that you said you shouldn't just shit all over your exes because granted, yes, there are some times where I'll talk about things that were less than ideal with previous people I dated. But at the end of the day, I kind of have to reflect and say, okay, but you dated that person and kind of allowed this to happen. Like whether you did react to it in a timely manner, like sure, maybe that happened and maybe you did cut it off at some point. But the fact remains like, things don't just happen to you, like you're a part of the equation as well. So I think reflecting on that is really key. And I feel like when guys do talk about women, especially if they use the word crazy to describe multiple (laughs) exes, that is always a red flag to me because I'm like, that's kind of a sign of someone who might be a gaslighter because it's like, are they all crazy? Or even if they are all crazy, like what does that say about you that you have this common denominator of dating crazy Mm -hmm. people? quote unquote, yeah. whatever that means. Exactly. But it's funny you say that because that is one of the most common words that people will use to describe their exes, not just with men, like with women mm. as well, with anyone, they will say, yeah, they were batshit crazy. They did this to me. They did this to me. And I was like, yeah, but what did you do to them? Yeah. Like there's two sides to every story. <laughs> exactly. And mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, definitely the way someone speaks about their exes It's a big telltale sign about how they would possibly speak about you in the future. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, yeah. I think that's another really easy way to figure out whether or not somebody's, like, would you say, a good egg, you know? Yes, (laughs) yes. So that's a great transition because I feel like one unique thing about you is that you are able to remain friends with people you've dated. And that's something that not everyone is able to do. But for you, I feel like more consistently, you do maintain some sort of connection. Like you don't really have these like bridges that are burned for the most part. So I would love to kind of talk about someone who you dated. And I remember you mentioning that he was one of the best people who you dated during your time in Berlin, even though it didn't pan out to anything serious necessarily, who you're still friends with today and kind of what your experience was like dating him and how he kind of fit into the stereotype of dating a German guy or didn't. Yeah. So I was dating this guy for about two months on and off. And we weren't exclusive, as you said. We didn't pan out to be Mm -hmm. anything serious. But Mm -hmm. the time we dated, I feel like our connection was really genuine. We really got to know each other as people. We went out and did fun things together. Like I remember one of our dates, we went out to this interpretive drama slash dance performance. He's an artsy type. Like he was in the film industry and he worked in there. So I was like, oh, my God, he probably understands what's going on. I have no... I have no clue. And so I sat there trying to like figure out what was happening. And then at the, at the end, I was like, oh, I'm going to look so stupid. Like, like, and then at the end, I looked at him and I was like, I don't know what that was about. And he's like, me either. Oh, like, my God. You're like, thank goodness. Oh, he's amazing. like, he was like, that was way weirder than I thought. He's like, sorry. He, he had booked the tickets for us. And we just walked out trying to interpret it. We Googled it, trying to figure out what was happening. But it was the most entertaining thing. And, yeah, we did things like that. We went for lots of walks in the park, spending time Aww. with each other. He introduced me to his friends. 
mm-hmm. which I thought was really, really beautiful. It was so yeah. nice because he didn't have to. We weren't serious or anything. But I think because he sensed that we would maintain this friendship even yeah. after he moved away because he ended up moving abroad to go to film school. Yeah, but he was one of those people who I felt was really authentic. We would always make fun mm-hmm. of each other. And because I'm Asian and he's German, we would make jokes. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> We we never took offense to it because yeah. I think we were both very, you know, sarcastic and I think our relationship sort of thrived on the humor. Mm-hmm. And so that was really great. And I think as a first cultural difference between dating guys in Australia and dating German guys, usually if you think of the German stereotype, it's like they're not funny. Mm, they're yeah. not laid back. Yeah. They're not spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very rigid. (laughs) Yeah, but he was all of these things. He was Mm. super laid back. He was one of the most chill people I'd ever met. He was really, really your definition of go with the flow. And when we started dating, we're like, yeah, neither of us are looking for anything in particular, but we'll see how it goes. And, you know, if we enjoy spending time together, we keep doing that. And that's what we did. And I feel like he was just always really genuine and he would always say what was on his mind. Like he was sort of like me. When I say I'm unfiltered, it means yeah. whatever pops into my head, it will come out of my mouth. And he was sort of like that. And I like that he didn't hold back anything because as I said mm-hmm. at the beginning, in regards to dating people in Berlin, I feel like they always hold back and they always present mm-hmm. the best versions of themselves. And that was what I was saying, not just about dating, but about meeting friends as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Moritz was one of those people who really helped a lot for me to, you know, be more patient with myself in regards to friendships as well. He was really supportive in that sense. And I think that's why we are still friends because he just understood my struggles. And even he, as a German person who moved to Berlin, Mm -hmm. had issues making friends. And so when I talked to him about it, he said, I didn't meet my people until a year and a half or two years into living in Berlin. And he said, so you're just at the beginning, like be patient with yourself. It's okay. And Yeah, he's like, it's okay. Like, it just takes time. And you just got to be open to meeting lots of different people and be open to all of those not working out. He was really empathetic. and But at the same time, he was super blunt. But I would also say that's how I am. So (laughs) I think that's why we got along. It works out well. But yeah, in regards to Moritz, the only thing I would say would be, if you could say stereotypically German about him, is like Mm -hmm. the affection side. So generally... He was affectionate when it was just not around other people, mm-hmm. usually, yeah. sort of. Yeah. But then when he was around other people, it was like he would overthink it and you could see it on his face. Like he would just, mm-hmm. you know, think about whether or not to put his arm around you or whether or oh. not to do something. <laughs> yeah. And then he would, you could see it and you would sort of wait to see what he did and he just never did it. And you're like, <laughs> no. okay, then whatever. I imagine his hand like twitching and kind of, you're kind of like, is he going to do it? Like, is he going to put his arm around me? And then he just kind of like withdraws it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think with him, that was one of the only things that stood out to me, but because we were never serious, it never really bothered me because I don't really care about that stuff. It's fine because I felt like at the end of it, we became more like, you know, friends yeah. But the few times he did come back to Berlin, we always saw each other. And mm-hmm. one of the first times he came back to Berlin, he called me first, which I thought was really nice. And That's so sweet. Yeah. And recently I went to visit him because I was traveling and I was in his city. So we hung out for a whole evening, which was really, really wonderful. And we just caught up on life. And now we talk about our dating lives. We're very invested in each other's dating yes. lives. We're like, so Aww. how's it going? What's happening? And it's That's just amazing. really comfortable. It's really comfortable. And I really appreciate that. 
I was able to meet someone who I can still maintain like a really nice sort of connection with. And we mm-hmm. just check in on each other here and there. And it's just really, really nice. Yeah. So he's, he's a good egg. <laughs> I guess I'm curious. Clearly, like now you mentioned that he's like dating somebody. But before he was dating somebody, just hypothetically, how did you manage finding that balance of, oh, we're just friends and it's now platonic? Like, was there ever any temptation to kind of rekindle the physical side of things? Oh, for sure. And we definitely did give in to that temptation once. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking that you were just like, nope, like cold turkey. I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> well, the past two times we saw each other, like the second time he came back to Berlin and the time that I went to visit him mm-hmm. in Poland. Yeah, completely platonic. But mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. he came back to Berlin, that time he called me and we spent time mm-hmm. together. Of course it was going to happen. Like I yeah, I was yeah. actually on a date with another guy on that night <laughs> and I left I left the date early uh-huh. to go see him. That's amazing. <laughs> so so that's just that's just a sign that I was like okay there's still something cuz he had only left yeah. I think he had left at this point for a month and a half and we were still mm-hmm. talking here and there so yeah. Of course he came back and because we get along so well and we get along yeah. as friends first and foremost mm-hmm. I think it's difficult to just look at that person and just be like oh, you're totally platonic to me now, like straight away, especially because nothing really yeah. happened between us that exactly. not continue dating. It was just because he had to move away and we're not going to do long distance for something that was never really serious. Absolutely. But, yeah, maintaining that connection was just easy. But yeah, that was the transition. So it was just that first yeah, time. Yeah. And then That's after fair. that, platonic. Yeah, after yeah, that, yeah. platonic. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I think it's so hard when you do have to end things only because of a logistical reason, because it is kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, there's no bad blood here. You know, we get along, we're still attracted to each other. So totally fair that you had one dalliance. And then from <laughs> there, you were able to cut it off. Very natural. I was just like, you know what? If he didn't move away, we'd probably still be seeing each other. So Yeah, it's not like you're hooking up with a toxic ex. Yeah, exactly. And because I knew that he was such a great person, and that's also one of the things that ties into who I choose to stay friends with. Because a lot of the time, ideally for me, it's really nice to stay friends with people you date. Because at one point, as I said, when you date someone, they are a really significant part of your life. Yeah. And for that to boiled down to essentially nothing and possibly you know just their existence is just wiped mm-hmm. from your life it, it's sort of bizarre for me because if you're going to make a connection with someone it was for a reason yeah and so when I think about people that I'm still friends with one of the patterns I've noticed that emerges is that if I had something really serious with someone like say it was a long-term relationships it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to be friends because I think there's yes. too much history there Even if they are an amazing person, that's too much. But in regards to people I dated for like a few months or like gone on a few dates with, I think you can just tell when people have good hearts and they're kind, genuine people. And those Mm -hmm. are the people I choose to stay friends with because I've dated like questionable people. I would never stay friends with them. Mm -hmm. But the thing I always think about is would I call you up to go chill out somewhere to hang out as friends? Mm -hmm. And if my answer to that question is no, I wouldn't want to spend time one-on-one with you as a friend, Yeah, then I just don't stay their friend. But I feel like there's a lot of people that I've gone on dates with. We just, it's nice. We still check in on each other and we still say, hey, how's everything going? And it's just Mm -hmm. really lovely. Like, it's not necessarily like the closest friendship, but it's still like you think about each other once in a while. Yeah. And I think that's really, really, yeah, it's really, really nice. And I like to be able to do that, but I always get shit for it. 
Like my sisters were like, why do you stay friends with exes? Why? Like, that's so weird. And there's this like stigma against it. Like there is. Yeah, there is. Right. And yeah, I will still do it mm-hmm. <laughs> nonetheless, because it just feels right for me. And it comes naturally for me to just stay friends mm-hmm. with these people. And it's no loss for either of us. So yeah, I don't see any damage that it can do. If anything, it just brings more to your life because you're keeping someone who's an extremely good person and has a really big heart in your life. So I don't see any cons in doing that. Yeah. So I'm thinking back and I'm like, have I ever stayed friends with someone I met on a dating app? Because I am friends with one of my exes, the one who was on the podcast, Nick. And then I'm still friendly with like my first serious ex, like even though we don't hang out anymore. Mm-hmm. But I've never stayed friends with anybody who I've met on an app. And I'm really trying to think of why. It's either I met up with this person, we didn't really form a connection. It's just like... I think in the beginning, it took me longer to identify those red flags of this is not going to be someone who you connect Mm. with. So I met up with a lot of people who it's like, okay, we don't have very much in common, or I don't really like (laughs) your personality, or maybe you don't like my personality. Or it could be one person ended it and the other person still wanted more. And I think in those cases, Mm. it would be really hard to maintain a friendship just because, you know, like the other person still has feelings. And so it would be hard to kind of, when there wasn't already a foundation of friendship, to continue that when one person is kind of left feeling jilted. There have been a couple of people where they have a really great personality. There was one guy who I went out with and we had a great conversation. We had like a first date at like this coffee house. I could have spoken to him for a long time, but I immediately knew there's no romantic connection. And so afterwards he was saying, you know, like, oh, I'd love to meet up again. And I was just very upfront because I was like, it's not one of those things where I'll go on a second date. I know hundred percent off the bat. So I said, I had a really great time. I felt like our connection was more platonic, but I would love to hang out with you again if you're open to that. And he literally was like, yeah, I mean, I would be interested in there being a physical component. So So in that case, it was like, okay, he was clearly not about it. But there have been other times where I would hang out with someone, but I just feel like I am pretty busy and I have a lot of friendships that I'm trying to maintain. I think for you in Berlin in particular, of course, like you were so open to new friends and I am open to new friends. It's just like, I have to think like, do I want to spend the time to foster a friendship with this person I went on like three dates with, or do I want to invest in the friendships that I already have that are already kind of hard to maintain? So I don't know, time management, I guess, has prevented me from having these beautiful relationships with my previous hinge matches that you have had. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it really comes down to just letting things happen naturally and organically, Mm -hmm. because I think that's how you know that it's actually something authentic and that you're not pushing it. And it's funny you said that thing about how you could talk to this guy for ages, that Mm -hmm. date you went on, but then you just knew there was no romantic connection. The same thing happened with me. (laughs) And I was really upfront and I said, I don't know if this will move forward romantically, but Mm -hmm. I'm happy to go on another date to find out. And he said, yeah, okay. And he agreed to that. So we went on the third date or the fourth date, I don't remember. And Mm -hmm. after that, I was like, okay, this is too many dates to still not know. So I was like, it's definitely a no now. And I was very upfront the whole time. And this guy was cool with me exploring that. So I was like, okay, if you're cool with that, let's do it. And on that date, I said to him, hey, so I've thought about it. And I really enjoy spending time with you. But I feel Mm -hmm. like I see you as more of a friend. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think this will progress romantically. Like, it'd be really nice if we could stay friends and hang out platonically. (laughs) If you're up for it, but I'm not going to push anything, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, he was like, I was sort of hoping. <laughs> he was like, oh, I really like you as a person too. And I was sort of hoping this would be romantic. So, so, so similar to yours. He's like, it would have been nice if we dated because that's what I sort of want. Aww. But I get it. He's like, but I get it. Your oars will end soon. And he's like, yeah, but I, he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, but I get it. But yeah, would you be up to just like, you know, have sex and stuff? And I was like, what? Uh, I was oh like, oh, yeah. At first you're like, oh, he sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, poor guy. Nope. <laughs> and, then, over. and then I was like, I was just like, mate, did you not hear me just say to you, I don't want anything with you. Cause I yeah. see you as a friend. Do you, like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't, don't have, have sex with my sex friends. Sex with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that promptly ended. Like that would have been really nice because he was so funny. He was mm-hmm. super genuine. And this is one of the dilemmas as well for me with dating, not just in Berlin, but in general. You know how sometimes you just meet people mm-hmm. and you just click with them on so many levels. Yeah. But there's nothing. No romantic connection, no spark, yeah. no fireworks. How does that, that happen? It's I so bizarre. Know. It is bizarre. And it annoys me when that happens because I'm like, why? Yeah. Why are there it feels any like a waste for this person? It does feel like a waste, especially when, like, I'm thinking of this one particular person, and this one was in Berlin. Super sweet, super funny. When I say funny, making dad jokes all the time because that's what I find attractive. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and <laughs> like, Really tall, you know how that's one of my yes must have weakness. As with, <laughs> as with me, it's like, do I really like them or are they just tall? <laughs> Honestly, I ask I ask myself that question all the time. <laughs> tall guys, they really just get like extra points, which is so right. unfair. I wish it weren't. It the case. is. It is. I wish it wasn't the case, but that's the one thing <laughs> that I discriminate against. <laughs> which makes which makes me sound so vain and my siblings always give me shit about it and they're just like Kylie you're such a bitch like you don't no. like this guy because he's a bit shorter than you want your definition of tall enough is 180 so if he's like 178 it's too short and I'm like it just sounds really short and I think it's a That's mental so thing for me Yeah. and so they always say oh you're going to end up with someone short and you're going to be so in love with them and you won't even know it and I'm like oh I mean, who knows? Maybe. (laughs) Possibly. Uh, But they always give me shit for it. And they always say I'll end up with the type of person that I say I don't want. Because at the end of the day, for me, the most important thing is, you know, the person's personality and what you connect on as people, which is true. Yeah. And even as you say that, the most important thing (laughs) is your personality. Like, clearly you're not actually a shallow person. Like, you value deep (laughs) connections. But everyone has, like, a physical thing or two that serves as a weakness for them and so height is yours like whatever who cares yeah for sure but yeah it is disappointing though when you meet people who you just click with as a person like yeah they would be an amazing friend and it's also a bonus when you're attracted to them too but Mm -hmm. then there's just like that's weird too especially when you're attracted to someone but there's no fireworks between you there's no passion there's no sparks and yeah that's happened for me before and it was the most disappointing thing because I was (laughs) I was like hoping so much that it could be something because we got along so well and when we spent time together it was so fun and then nothing and that was one of the most disappointing stories (laughs) that has happened to me as well and there were two guys who it happened with and Mm. for both of them 
I remember we met up and for one in particular, I saw his profile and I was so excited because we had a lot in common in terms of our interests and he just had a lot of the qualities that I felt like I was looking for in terms of like career and his passions and friends and interests. And I thought it was really cute. And so we met up, we had like a pretty good first date. And then I remember we had our second date and I started to feel like the interest was already waning. And in the case of him and the other guy who, again, similar thing, we got along really well, had great conversation, had a lot of the same interests. For both of them, I remember when they dropped me off at my place and were in their car and were like making out and I was just like distracted. I was like, kind of getting bored. And I was like, this is not a good sign. Like I should be really into this. Like I like this person in theory. And yet it's just not hitting for me. Yeah. Getting bored whilst making out with someone. Definite red flag. (laughs) Definite red flag. Yeah. And so again, I think I like went out with each of them at least one more time just because I was like, are you sure? Like maybe it was just that night. And no, it turns out it was not just that night. Such a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. And I think when that happens, I don't know if you're a believer in this, but like the whole meant to be thing, it just was never meant to be that way. It just wasn't. It wasn't fate that you were meant to have sparks with this person who just fits your criteria. But then Mm -hmm. on the emotional side of it, there's nothing. That's the next thing, like, is the checklist of what you want in a person that you date really realistic? I know. I feel like, you know, when you make a checklist, like sometimes you might have your nice to haves and maybe those are less important. But I think when you're making a checklist, and I don't even like to say checklist because it's not (laughs) like I have this list and I'm like going through it as I'm swiping through people's profiles or as we're on a date, but you might kind of want to think about, okay, are there some non-negotiables? And I feel like those go beyond the physical. That's more like passion for your career or passion for travel or certain shared interests or family plans, things like that. So yeah, I feel like in certain cases it can be helpful, but then I'll also note that like I have dated people where if you were to write out a list of all their qualities, maybe I would have been like, Oh no, I don't want to date this person. But then if you meet them and you have that connection, suddenly it kind of goes out the window and you realize it's not as important anymore. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of a case by case basis. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. Which is dangerous because I feel like sometimes then you make concessions for somebody because you really like them. And so you have to ask like, okay, is this a concession that I should be making? Or am I just kind of blinded because I'm really into this person and I'm overlooking this thing that's not going to be viable long term? Yep. And I think it depends what you're looking for at that stage. Like, are you looking Mm -hmm. for something long term or are you dating to get a feel for the type of person you want. Like in Berlin, I've never been in a stage where I'm looking for something in particular. It's just, I let things happen. And if someone comes along and they're an amazing person and we connect really well, then something may come out of it. But as you said, like you don't sit there with a checklist, but you sort of take note of who Mm -hmm. this person is and how they fit into your life and what you want. And if what they want is what you are as well. Mm -hmm. So just, taking note of that along the way. Yeah. But yeah, I think checklists do go out the window when it comes to connections because sometimes the connections Mm -hmm. are so strong and you don't even think about all the other stuff and you're just like, yep, this is amazing. And then when you actually sit down and think about it, you're like, well, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of flags, (laughs) but in the moment we just overlook them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it feels really wonderful. Because when you do have that emotional connection with someone, it's really hard to look past when you Mm -hmm. try to be logical because 
the logic doesn't even come into play for a lot of the relationships that you look back at and you're like, wow, that was really like we had a strong connection. Mm -hmm. You weren't like, yeah, I sat there and I was super logical and thought about every (laughs) single thing. Like you don't talk about those, like the relationships that were significant to you like that. You don't really. So, yeah. 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 It's sort of interesting, that topic. It is. So I kind of want to go back to when we were talking about Moritz and you mentioned that there's one particular stereotype that he fit in terms of not being super affectionate. And I feel like your experience in Berlin has been unique because like you said, it is a hub where a lot of people will go. And also just being in Europe, I feel like there's a lot of inter-country travel and you traveled a lot. So in meeting European men from different countries, were there any stereotypes maybe that you had had about a certain culture and I don't mean to use stereotypes in a bad way of course I (laughs) just mean like any expectations you might have had around like their behavior or mannerisms that were met or conversely any that were very opposite of what you might have expected so (laughs) the main one that comes to mind is when I was traveling through Italy last summer And I swiped this guy on Bumble whilst I was out one day. I think I was just sitting in the sun one day and I was just like enjoying taking everything in. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, let's, let's have a look at the Italian guys on Bumble. Let's (laughs) do it. And so I just had a look just for fun. And there was this cute guy on it. No idea what his name is now. No idea what he did. I do not remember anything, but Mm -hmm. The one thing I do remember is how our date went. So we met up for dinner at this restaurant that is popular amongst the locals and he was one of the locals. So Mm -hmm. we went there and it was really nice. Like he was telling me about all the Italian dishes that are the specialties of that region. Mm. And I'm a huge foodie. So if you talk food to me, you have my, a part of my heart. You're already in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're already in. So I was like, okay, this is going well. And Mm -hmm. he was like, he was quieter than the usual person that I go on dates Mm -hmm. with because I'm quiet. Mm -hmm loud and I like to talk a lot as you can probably tell but (laughs) yeah conversation was nice it flowed after dinner we went for a walk through the the streets of Parma and it was really really lovely this sounds amazing (laughs) yeah it was beautiful and everything was lit up at night I was staying right in the middle of the city as well so Mm -hmm. everything was really accessible everything was really close and as we walked he did not do anything so pretty much we walked next (laughs) to each other And this is like this Italian guy, real handsome, you know, great conversation, knows a lot about food. I was like, yes, this is great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you travel, you feel a little bit more liberal. At least I do. I have this like, this thing that comes across me where I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'm not home. I can do whatever I want. I can, you know, go on vacation. Exactly. And you just, you just feel different. It's a different Mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah. So he didn't make a move. And I was like. I've been told before, though, I'm hard to read, but I think mm. I've become easier to read over the years. Yeah. But when I'm interested in someone, I smile a lot. I make lots of eye contact. I, like, yeah. am close to them a lot, you know, yeah. touching, mm-hmm. crap like that. Yes. And I was like, man, this is so evident. Like, I wouldn't do this if I didn't want to, you know, for this to progress further into the night. And he just did nothing. And I was like, okay, so this is my place. We walked to the street. I was saying, I was like, this is my place. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, okay, bye. And I was like, what? You're like, what the heck? Oh I just, my God. I walked up to the street where I'm staying and you're like, okay, bye. I had a nice time. I was like, okay, me too. Okay, bye. Cool. And I was so confused. And then when I got up to my Airbnb, I get a message from him <laughs> and he's like, I had a really nice time, but I was just wondering, 
were you were you interested? Because like I wasn't sure. And then I was oh like, my God. I was like, yeah, that's why I walked us to the street where I'm staying because oh I was God. like, hey. did you say that? Yeah, I did. And I said, yes. this is where I'm staying. And I was waiting for you to, you know, meet me halfway and be like, should I come up for a drink? Yeah. You like you can't and do all the work yourself. Exactly. Like I walked us there. I was like mm-hmm. the one being a bit touchy feely, a bit affectionate, really smiley, yeah. a bit, you know, flirty. And he just seemed so confused. And I was like, Oh my god. It's so <laughs> yeah, he had to ask me, Did you want like us to keep hanging out in the night? I was like, Yes. yes also, I did. That is, like, so, I have to say, that, like, kind of takes some of the wind out of your sails. It's not quite as attractive when they have to pause and be like, wait, is this okay? It's kind of like you (laughs) want a guy who's able to read the room, and not someone who's going to be pushy if you're not into it, but if you're clearly giving all the signs, which you were, like, (laughs) they should pick up on that. Yes. And so this is where I was just like, oh, my God, the one day I go on with an Italian guy, he does nothing. Because Italians, (laughs) as you know, stereotypically, Mm -hmm. they are known for being really forward and really passionate and just going after what they want. This is just Mm -hmm. what I know about Italian guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I've dated another Italian before, like a longer term, and that's how he Mm -hmm. was. And they're more assertive. And this guy was like complete opposite. So, yeah, that was not met. Everything else about him knowing about (laughs) amazing Italian food was met, but that's about it. Yeah. But That's such a disappointment. It was real odd, but it was a really lovely night. It was just, yeah. obviously, as you said, it does take away from the attraction because you're like, okay, he's not confident enough no. to make a move. And yeah. I think that's a really big thing for me, like confidence. And mm-hmm. it just popped into my head. But, yeah. for example, when we were talking about Moritz, mm-hmm. When I dated him, we were so chill. And I think both of us were really confident in ourselves. And it showed when he invited me to this gig where his ex-girlfriend was performing. And he's yes. like, yeah, do you want to come along? And Wait, I, I totally like, yeah. wanted to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just popped into my head because Moritz is the other definition of someone who's so confident in himself yeah. that he doesn't show any signs of being unsure about anything and being afraid of doing something. And I think I'm sort of the same way because I'm sure of myself as a person. I'm not afraid to, you know, be in situations that other people would be like, oh, my God, I would never be in that situation. Yeah. When, like, he invited me to that gig with his ex-girlfriend. He goes, we're still friends. And, yeah, if you want to come, you should come. Like, she's doing this, like, song slam and it's going to be really cool. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, for sure. So I came. Me and him sat in the the crowd and we watched her. And then afterwards we left and all three of us went to have dinner together. That is so progressive and amazing (laughs) yeah and we just sat and chatted like we were just you know having a good time with each other yeah no bad blood yeah no bad blood anywhere and I I found it to be such a nice situation because I felt like everyone was so mature everyone was so sure of themselves no one felt intimidated Mm -hmm. or anything like that and then after that when Moritz ended up leaving he went to Poland she and I ended up meeting up and hanging out we went for coffee and we just Yeah, and then we just, um, we talked about him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she had a discovery where she was like, oh, I thought that was just him with me in regards to the affection stuff I mentioned before. And I was like, nope, it happened with me too. And she's like, oh, thank God. I thought it was just me all these years. (laughs) I love that. 
And I feel like that's such a healthy example of women lifting each other up. And it's just great because I feel like a lot of times in the media, when you do mm-hmm. see depictions of women who dated the same man, it's either like they have this disdain for each other or this hatred or they're brought together because they're like we were both wronged by the same man (laughs) it's like really great that neither of you were wronged and you're like oh yeah like we can be friends and not commiserate because again nothing bad happened but it is like a great bonding experience to be like oh like I can empathize with the fact that you had this kind of difficulty in the relationship that I also had Yeah, and it's just nice to connect like that. And then after all, he was just a small part of the conversation. And then Mm -hmm. after that, we just spoke like, you know, you would when you catch up with any girlfriend. And that was really nice. It was just nice to know that there are people who are mature enough and confident in themselves enough to just, you know, let go a little bit and just Mm -hmm. not feel intimidated when there's someone else that comes along who's dated the same person they have. Because I think you're totally right, 100%. People are portrayed as really spiteful when they meet exes of their current beau or something like that. And this was really refreshing for me because I don't meet a lot of people that are comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when I did meet them and her and she was super, you know, comfortable in her own skin and everything, it was really, really nice and refreshing because, you know, as I said, Berlin is full of people who are still finding themselves and they don't quite know who they are or Mm -hmm. what they want to be. And confidence isn't usually authentic. Yeah. Usually really, really there. It's all an illusion. And so it was nice to meet someone. It's nice to meet people who are actually really, truly confident and authentic people. So that was really nice in that sense as well. Yeah. I can imagine if it's that rare, you're like, I have to hold on to this anytime it comes around. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was really nice. So transitioning to some of maybe the less nice experiences, talking about fuckboys, I feel like, you know, we definitely have some stereotypical behaviors of like what constitutes a fuckboy. And from your experience having dated in Europe and Australia, are there any differences between what makes a fuckboy there in both of those regions? Or would you just say like a fuckboy is a fuckboy globally, no matter where they're from? In my experience, so I'll speak about Sydney first. And this is just my experience. I'm not saying this is all Mm -hmm. the Australian fuckboys, but like (laughs) what I find here about the fuckboys, if you'd call them that, is (laughs) they are very in tune with what they want Mm. and they're very honest about it. The ones I dated... Mm-hmm. when you'd have a conversation with them and you're like, okay, so do you see this being anything else, anything mm-hmm. more? Do you see this progressing? And they're like, yeah, well, you know what? Not really, eh? Like, I'm just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they're like, they're like, I really enjoy spending time with you and I think we get along so well, but, yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for anything serious. And that's what they will say. And I'm like, I Which appreciate great. that because, yeah. yeah, because usually when I ask these questions, it's because I sense that that's what they are. So Mm -hmm. I'll ask, and that's just Mm -hmm. a confirmation. But they're so, like, the ones I've had contact with, they are super respectful. Like, and I think that's just my luck because I've heard so many horror stories from my friends dating in Australia of Australian fuckboys being Mm. exactly what you think they are. But the ones I've dated, I think I'm just really lucky or I'm really good at weeding out the weirdos or the disrespectful people because I feel like that's part of it that and the fact that you (laughs) might be a little intimidating because I'm like wow that 
that is shocking. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still friends with one of them, which is nice. And when friends I came with back, a fuck he, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I can tell he has a good heart and he's so funny. Aww. And he's even been like, oh, yeah, when you get out, I don't want to take your time with your loved ones, like your friends or family, but after you've Aww. caught up with everyone, we should catch up. And I was like, yeah, sure. And it's so, so nice. It's so nice. He's one of those people that I would love to, you know, just maintain a friendship with because again he was a fuckboy when we dated but like and I think he, he still is I'm pretty sure but mm-hmm. he's genuinely so lovely such a kind person and he's just real funny and again goes with the flow super super confident in himself I think I got lucky yeah. I'm on like the better end of the spectrum but yeah. in regards to fuckboys in Berlin yes. they are exactly what you think they are so <laughs> honestly you know those fuckboys that are like yeah I know I'm good looking, so I'm going to yeah. act like I'm good looking and I'm better than everyone. I'm going to be mm-hmm. arrogant and cocky and act like this girl has to prove to me that she deserves to spend her oh time my God. with me. They're just so entitled. There's that fuck boy, but they do it really well. They disguise it so it's not so evident, but mm. if you're good at reading people, you see right through them and you know exactly mm-hmm. what they are. And then the other fuck boy is like <laughs> the one that thinks he knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. he oh, thinks okay. he knows what he yeah. wants and he genuinely like will stand there and say like this is me this is what I want and this is all of it and then as soon as he finds something and I think I mentioned this before as soon as he finds mm-hmm. something real he'll be like well actually I changed my mind like I don't yeah. want this anymore I'm like, not ready I'm not ready now I thought I was ready but then he will continue telling all the other women that he's ready because yes. he thinks he's entitled to <sighs> wasting their time yeah, yeah. That is the best way to put it. Feels like they're entitled to wasting your time. It's just a blatant disregard of like your feelings and your energy and emotions. Yep. But I will say, again, I've been lucky because I haven't come across a lot of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, that being said, I feel like you had one key experience with someone who did kind of embody all of those behaviors. And yet I feel like you just have a great way with the people you dated because even him despite the fact that he exhibited some pretty immature qualities I feel like you were still able to like manifest a a friendship with him so (laughs) we'd love to hear about that experience yeah so this guy was one of the guys I met in person at an Mm -hmm. event that I attended I went to one of those meetups and I met him I think in the first three weeks it was after I met you actually because I met you in the first two weeks and then I met him like the week after you left Mm -hmm. and when I met him I thought nothing of it like he wasn't really like my type per se like physically but when he found out I was from Australia he was like oh my god I lived in Australia for three years I love Australians all my Australian friends moved away and he goes oh I love the accents I miss them so much I don't hear them around Berlin a lot and I was like what are you talking about all the baristas here are Australian (laughs) just go to a cafe (laughs) but yeah so we got talking and this meetup was actually really interesting it was a meetup about the worst Tinder stories. And so everyone gathered in a group. Yeah, everyone gathered in a group and told their worst dating stories. And it was so Mm -hmm. funny. That sounds so fun. It was so fun. And I was like, okay, this is something I'd be interested in and that I can contribute to. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's do this. (laughs) And it was just really nice. And I also met someone who I ended up being friends with there as well. But as you know, Mm -hmm. my luck with friends was not great. But it was great for a few months there. But yeah, Yeah. so I met this guy at this event and at the end of the event, we exchanged numbers and he's like, we should hang out sometime. And I was like, yeah, for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And after that, we added each other on Instagram and like, I think I've shown you his Instagram before. It's real posy. Like, it's real like, I know, (laughs) it's real like, I know I'm cute. And Um. so I know girls think I'm handsome and I'm tall and I'm Swedish. So I'm going to, you know, milk that for all it's got. Put out all the thirst traps. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so we were chatting on Instagram and we were organizing when we would hang out. And on Instagram, whilst we chatted, he was so, so, so flirty, like Mm -hmm. so flirty to Mm -hmm. a point where, you know, the flirting where you joke about like having a future together and he love bombed you. Yeah, he did. He was just like, oh, I could just imagine us, Kylie, like in the Australian countryside, like raising a family, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my And I was God. like, I was like, huh, this is hilarious. And so I yeah. would play into it as well because I love yeah. this. And let's see yeah. how far he's going to take it. And honestly, mm-hmm. our whole conversation was that flirty. And he was just like, oh, I love your accent. He's like, oh, and you're pretty cute, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, but <laughs> when we hang out, it's just us friends. And he kept okay. reiterating this to me. And I was like, all right, then. And I was cool. like, we'll, I was like, we'll see because I can feel like there's, <laughs> we'll I was see. like, we'll see, mate. And yeah. honestly, <laughs> on, our, on our first day, I think he tried so hard to make it platonic. So first he took me to this orchestral performance in a mm-hmm. church, which mm-hmm. I love because I love going to live musical performances, no matter what type of genre it is. And sitting there, I was just in awe of all the musicians. And these were like young kids. Like they went Aww. to like a performing arts high school and they were just, at the top of their game and this was like their night where they performed for their friends and family and then we just came in and sat Mm -hmm. amongst (laughs) the friends and family so I show up at the date oh sorry Mm -hmm. the friend date yes (laughs) which which he tried so hard to push as just a hangout and as soon as I showed up he did the up down look not a sleazy one but Uh, he just looked at what I was wearing you can tell and then you can tell yeah and then he didn't say anything but he looked and then he, like, gave me a cheeky smile. And then we walked into the church. And as we were sitting in the church, he leans over to me. And he says, by the way, you look you look really cute tonight. Oh, and I was like, wait. okay, wait. Also, then- I have to ask, what yeah. were you wearing? Because were you wearing something to be like, oh, I'll show you, like, a platonic date to kind of, like, test it? <laughs> or well, were you just, like, wearing whatever? Well, generally, I was wearing whatever. And when I say whatever, I mean... I generally dress like this anyway. So my winter mm-hmm. go-to is usually like when it's a mild winter, my mm-hmm. go-to is usually like, you know, boots, mm-hmm. a skirt and a sweater. Yeah. And like a jacket on top. That's what I was mm-hmm. wearing. Yeah. And I guess a boots and a skirt is more than like your average cute sort of outfit, I guess. I don't yeah, know. And yeah. maybe when I think back about it, I was like, maybe I was trying to like be like, I'll show you platonic. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, and then when we walked out of the church, we left the performance a little early. And as we walked out, I was putting my jacket on. And then he went down the stairs first and he puts his hand out, like to hold my hand to help me walk down the stairs. And I was like, okay, do you do this with all your friends? Because if you do, you're a fucking weirdo. And I was like, what is this? What (laughs) the hell? (laughs) Or like, you're too much of a gentleman and it's real weird. Like, do you do this with everyone? That's not natural. Yeah, I went with it to see what would happen. And then Mm -hmm. he kept doing that, like putting his hand out when we were walking along ledges and things like that. And Mm. I was like, man, this guy doesn't know what he wants. Like he's like, you know, we're going to hang out as friends. And now he's being all romantic. And then we were in a grocery store. We went to pick up like, you know, some cheese and some wine because we're going to like watch a movie and stuff. Yeah. And in the grocery store, as we were standing in the line, he stands behind me, puts his arms around me. Okay. And I'm like, okay. 
that well, is not something you do with your friends. I can confidently right? say that. Right? And this was in the first part of the night already. He, like, yeah. went against oh what he was God. saying. You haven't even gotten like, back to his place yet. Like, <laughs> I know. But this is this is what he planned, right? So we get back. We get back to his place. And this is what he planned because he wanted it to be platonic so badly. I don't know why. Like, That's if he can bizarre. feel something, why don't you just let it happen? But mm-hmm. anyway, so we went back to his place. And he had planned that his friend is going to cook us dinner. So his friend is there starting to cook dinner for us. Also, and what a like, wingman. What is his friend getting out of this? <laughs> I have no idea, but I think he wanted it to be platonic as in we wouldn't be alone together. And okay. so his friends cooked pasta for us and there's four of us eating. So me, him, and two okay, people. Okay, okay. Oh, I thought it was like one friend. I was like, he like hired his friend to be a private chef for the two of you. It's like, that's so <laughs> no, 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 we all ate. We all okay, ate together. Okay. And the other friend, I remember he was, like, this foreign exchange student that was the housemate of that friend. So, oh like, he was just he was just there and it was just weird. But, like, <laughs> yeah. So, we bought a cheesecake for dessert after dinner. Aww. So, that's what we got out afterwards. And then after that, I was going to go home. We were going to call in the night because it was, like, a friendship hangout, right? Yeah. And then afterwards, he's like, it's okay if you don't want to, but do you want to come back to my place to watch a movie? And on the way home, we can... We can pick up, like, you know, some cheese and stuff. And then I said to him, as friends, and he's like, yeah. Yes. And I was like, sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, at this point, <laughs> drop the charade. I know. Just drop it. But he he wouldn't drop it. So I was like, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> and so we go back to his place. We end up switching through lots of Disney movies. We end up watching mm-hmm. Anastasia. Oh, <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah, so good. And before that, we were, like, watching a few other movies and singing and dancing. And it was really fun, like. This is what I do with my friends and my siblings. So I was like, okay, yeah. cool. We get along as people. Yeah. And yeah. as we were doing this, I was like, he would be a cool friend. Like, I wouldn't mind just being friends with him. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then we were laying in his bed watching the movie. We legit watched the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But then during the movie, he, like, leaned over and cuddled me. Like, he pulled me in so he could, like, hug me. And then... Very friendly. <laughs> Very friendly. And then at one point, he kissed me on the forehead. And I was like, okay. Okay, this is not platonic. This is ridiculous. At one point, I turned to him and I was like, do you do this with all your friends? And then then I was like, I thought this was was a platonic friend date. And then he goes, I thought I wanted it to be a platonic friend date, but I don't. And that's when he dropped it. And oh I was my like, god, finally. After you literally had to pry it out of him. Yeah, after I gave him so many chances to be like, no, it's not platonic. He kept saying, yeah, yeah, as friends, as friends, as friends. And then at the end, I was like, you can't really say as friends anymore when you're doing that. No. And then, yeah, so that's where that started. Mm-hmm. And already he sounds like he's confused. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, red Very. flag, so let's not expect anything. <laughs> Second day, he worked for this company not anymore, so I can say this, but he worked for this company that rented out apartments to people that are fully furnished. Okay. And so mm-hmm. we went into one of the empty apartments that oh, they were going that's to rent kind of out. fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And then he cooked dinner for me there. He was like, no, you sit, you relax. Like, oh, I'll do everything. I don't want Aww. you to do anything. So he that's cooked really dinner nice. for us and we had dinner and, you know, we hung out, talked a lot about our families and our friends and everything we talked about. I feel like we connected really well and that's why mm-hmm. there was a spark there. For both yeah. of us, it seems. And I was like, oh, okay, this second date is showing me that maybe it could be something. Yeah. And then after that, 
like, you know, we spent the night together and he drove me home in the morning and yeah, everything was just really sweet. And we mm-hmm. planned for the next day. We were like, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, since you cook for me, I'll cook for you on our next day. Mm-hmm. Like you can come over and we can do something. Mm-hmm. And then the week after he sort of started disappearing slowly. And I was like, Slow okay, ghost. here's yeah. where it starts. Like he started mm-hmm. responding really slowly and then mm-hmm. after a while, I sent a message and I was like, I always give people a chance to respond and to be decent. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I asked him a question. He didn't respond. I ignored him and I was like, done. Because I'm not a yeah. chaser. I'm not going to keep trying to talk no. to someone when I can see that they're slowly filtering themselves out of my life. So I yeah. just let it happen. And I ended up seeing him at another event. So I went to a vegan sushi making event mm-hmm. <laughs> in Berlin with my friend and he was there. I ignored him. Wow. And mm-hmm. yeah, he ended up being there and I said hi to everyone else. And then I didn't say anything to him. He looked at me and waved and I just like turned around and walked the other way. Cause I was I like, love that gonna... so much. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, if you're going to disrespect me, like don't fucking say hi to me. What the hell? Yeah. And then <laughs> like he had all the audacity to walk over to me later. Like I was sitting on a couch <laughs> with my friend and we we're just chatting. He comes over, he crouches down next to the couch and he gets really close to me like this. Oh. And he's like, Hey, Kylie, how are you? And I was like, I'm sorry. You care to know how I am? I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that if you cared to know how I was, that you just would stop responding to messages. So what the Wait, did you say this exactly? I did. I did. I I love you so much. I was like, what do you think you're doing? Like, Mm -hmm. how can you act the one way and then come here and act like nothing's happened and be like, how are you? I'm going to tell you how I am. You don't deserve to know. And then he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, I've just been busy. And I was like, ah, age-old, like, excuse in the book. I'm busy. Yeah. I've been busy. And I was like, no. If no. you really wanted to see me and if you really cared to know how I was, you would not have been too busy to do that because that's my no. true belief. If someone ever says they're busy to you, it means they don't want to see they're you. They're not as invested. Exactly. The time, like, the amount of times that I've actually been legitimately busy and have, like, sacrificed something because I really wanted to see somebody, that enough tells you, yeah, that's a bullshit excuse. Exactly. And for me, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, no, red flag, red flag, red mm-hmm. flag. And he goes, no, legitimately, I've been busy. And he's like, can we talk later? And I was like, not if all you're going to say is you're busy. And then he's yeah. like, no. I want to talk to you more about it. Like, I want to tell you. But looking back, like, in hindsight, this is when guys feel like they don't want to be the baddie in the situation. So they're like, oh, I need to recover my reputation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be known as that guy that did this. So for her, I need to make it better in her eyes so she doesn't see me as this. And I think that's what he was doing, for sure. Yeah. Because he just didn't want me to see him as, you know, the fuckboy that just Mm -hmm. was inconsiderate and stuff. But, of course, we both know there's more to this story. And so, (laughs) so after the class, him and his friend, the same friend who cooked for us on that first date, they were going to just chill out and have uh, a few drinks at his place. And then he invited me and my friend. So there was four of us and we went Mm -hmm. and he talked to me. He said, I'm really sorry. Like I go through these points in my life where I just shut the world out and Mm -hmm. I feel really overwhelmed sometimes. And this is consistent because, because Mm -hmm. we've kept in contact here and there sporadically during my time in Berlin, he has maintained this same thing. And he tells me about it. Like even when we were just platonic and we were just being friends, he's told me about how he shuts out the world sometimes. And sometimes he just doesn't feel like talking to anyone and he just wants to be alone because he feels Mm -hmm. like this sadness and stuff. And this 
he told me on that night and because I didn't know him well yet, I, I sort of sensed like, okay, he's one of those guys that, you know, are struggling emotionally and mentally and he doesn't want to ask for help because we all know that mm-hmm. the statistics on male depression Mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but in turn, yeah. it makes me think about the suicide rates, which is like yeah. 75% males, young males wow. around yeah. his age. And mm-hmm. so I sensed that he was one of those guys that did not want to seek help, did not want any outside, you know, assistance with anything, even though he mm-hmm. was struggling so much inside. And I sort of got a sense that he was just lost and he needed, I don't know, he needed to find himself and Mm -hmm. a way to make himself feel okay so when he was telling me this I did not doubt what he was saying yeah you're like this checks out yeah this checks out because just the way he was saying it it was very genuine and Mm because I think you can tell the difference between someone who's being genuine and someone who's just sweet talking you and don't get me wrong he's a massive sweet talker but yeah when he was telling me about this particular topic I was like okay I understand and as I said, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more forgiving. So yeah, I was a yeah. lot nicer than I would have been as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so we hung out for that night, the four of us, and we just, you know, chilled, had a few drinks, was watching YouTube, watched a few shows. And there were points in the night where he would cuddle me and he'd be like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, okay, maybe he's sorry. Yeah. And then later into the night, his friend left and me and my friend were still there and all three of us were just hanging out. So I went to the bathroom mm-hmm. at one point. And when I came back, I sat back between them. And mm-hmm. then my friend, she's pretty drunk or tipsy at this point, but mm-hmm. she still knows what's going on. And she says yeah. to me, when you went to the bathroom, he touched my ass sort of. And I was like, What? And I was like, what? He did what? And then I was sitting there in silence after she told me that. And I was like, thanks for telling me. Yeah. And I was sitting there. And when he would like go to hug me, I'd be like pushing him away. Yeah. And then when she went to the bathroom later on, I let him talk. And at Mm -hmm. this point, I knew that the vibe had changed. Like this was him sweet talking Mm -hmm. to me now. And everything coming out of his mouth, I was sitting there like with my arms crossed knowing yeah. that a lot of it was bullshit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this guy has problems. Because before I could yeah. tell he was being genuine when he was telling me mm-hmm. about that. But then now mm-hmm. I'm like, no, nah, you're just sweet talking and you think you're entitled to waste my time. Okay, okay, yeah. is this what you think? All right, I'll show mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And <laughs> afterwards, at the end of the night when I was like, okay, it's time to call it a night. So I ordered like a shuttle to get us home. And after I pressed pressed the button to order the shuttle, I turned around to him and I was like, hey, so before I go, I just wanted to say something do you think it's respectful when I'm in the other room going to the toilet and you touch my friend's ass and he goes, sorry, what are you talking about? And I was like, don't fucking bullshit me. I know this happened. Do you think that my friend would not tell me if you did something sleazy like that? And I was like, and how dare you touch her ass when she's tipsy? Like, yeah, that too. I was like, what if she didn't know what was going on? You're a dickhead. And I was just like, how dare you the whole night tell me you're sorry. And then you turn around and do some shit like this. Like, yeah. Really think uh, about who you're dealing with here. Do you know? And I was like, I do this thing where sometimes when I get real mad, I'm like, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? I love and, that and line. I, and I was just like, do you know who I am? Like, how dare you? The audacity <laughs> that you have to behave in such a way. How disrespectful are you? Like, how could you do this? 
Yeah. And I was like, maybe you don't respect yourself enough to be a decent person, but this is not on. Like, this is not acceptable at all. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, telling him off, and this was going to be my power speech, and I was going to fucking march out to my shuttle to home, right? Yes. And my friend was, like, sleeping. She was, like, passed out. It was fine. It was just, like, like me and him. And, like, she was in and out of sleep, so a few times I'd say something, she'd be like, yeah. And (laughs) And then go back to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, and I'd just be like, shh, just go to sleep. Let me handle this. It's fine. I've got this. I've got this, trust me. And and then as I was telling him off, I paused to see what he would say, and then he burst into tears. Oh, he my just God. started crying, and I was like, I was so confused. I was sitting there, and I was like, Holy shit! I made him cry. What happened? I was like, Whoa! Because I do admit, I feel like high school Kylie came out for a second there. Yes, like me standing up for myself in a big yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And and when he started crying, I was like, Oh shit! And he was crying and he's like, I'm so, so fragile. Yeah, so fragile. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, there's so much I want to tell you. And then my first instinct <sighs> was to hold him. So he was Aww. crying and I went to hold him and I just pulled him in close and he just cried yeah. like on my chest. And I was like, oh my God, this is really weird. <laughs> That's so jarring. So I was holding him while he cried after being a dickhead, but then... As I said before, I noticed something when he said that thing to me about sometimes he just shuts off the world. I could tell that that was real. And so when he started crying, I was like, holy shit, I think this is more than just me telling him off and him being intimidated by me. Yeah, yeah, there's there's deeper issues. Yeah, yeah, there's something that's beneath all of this. And so Mm -hmm. I was just holding him and I was like, just cry. I was like... I was, like, I was like patting him and then I was just like yeah just just cry it's okay like let you're it like out. good cop bad cop <laughs> yeah both of them <laughs> and so I was holding him and then after a while I was like you don't have to tell me anything this is your personal business mm-hmm. I just yeah. was standing up for myself because I know and I think you know as well that you were being inappropriate so I have every mm-hmm. right to feel the way I feel and he goes no you do and he's like I'm so sorry I didn't mean to disrespect you like that I'm so genuinely sorry like oh, I do stupid shit because I just feel so confused. And I was like, confused about what? And then mm-hmm. he said, I just feel confused about who I am and what I want because I think you're such an amazing person and we get along so well. And I could see us dating, but where I am right now, I can't. Like, look at me. And he was still crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, That's he was such a this. pathetic visual. <laughs> look at me. Yeah, I know. I know. He's like, look at me. And he's like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I, I need to stop crying. I was like, no, don't say sorry for crying. It's fine to cry. Because yeah. me, myself, I'm a huge crier. I cry mm-hmm. at, like, MasterChef commercials. Oh, when, yeah, same. <laughs> when contestants see their families again, I'm like, oh, my God, my heart. It just implodes mm-hmm. in my chest. But yeah, so I understood the crying. I was like, just cry. Let yourself feel it. If you don't let yourself feel it, you'll never process whatever yeah. it is you're trying to process. And then he ended up telling me that he had a breakup over two years ago and he mm-hmm. still is in like in love with his ex and she wants nothing to do with him. Like she blocked him on everything. She's like, we shouldn't talk anymore. And I think he's just heartbroken. And so my reading of that situation is that, first of all, what he told me was real. Because mm-hmm. who the fuck, what type of fuck boy would bore his fucking eyes out in front of a girl yeah. he's gone on two dates with? Like, Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> how you know that it's legit. Yeah, and he couldn't stop crying until later. And then later he tried to, like, if you could say... Compose himself. Compose himself. <laughs> and, he, and then he sat up, he sat up, and he was, like, wiping his face, and he's like, yeah, but that that's it. Like, it's it. I'm fine, though. And oh, like, my God. And then, like, it's and too then, late for this facade. Yeah. 
exactly. And then I said, but are you like, oh. as just a friend, if we could yeah. call ourselves that, you know, you have a right to seek help if you need it. Like you oh. should talk to, like, do you have a support network? Do you want to talk to someone about it? He goes, no, I don't need to talk about anything. And what? up until this, yeah. And up until a whole year later, so earlier this year when we were talking, he was still the same. I don't need to talk to anyone. And this is when we hung out as friends and I said, as a friend, like, I just want to say to you, if you need to talk to someone, I'm here, but I'm not the best person to talk to. The best person to talk yeah. to would be a professional. Like, Absolutely. you should talk to someone who understands you and that where you can break down all the things you've gone through because I'm sure you've gone through trauma and that breakup would have been a trauma for him because he would have been like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, she just blocked me out. Like, how do I feel about yeah. this? I've never thought about it. And so I said, you have a right to do that and it's okay if you need it. You know, mm-hmm. and in Germany, they support mental health. So they mm, will support yeah. you in doing that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, I don't need it. Wow. Yeah. but I, mean, so for- I hate to say it, but that is like toxic masculinity at work, you know, like clearly has issues, but maybe has some sort of stigma against like seeking yep. help because of yep. his idea of what a man should behave like. Exactly. Exactly. But I also felt really sorry for him because I'm just like imagine living a life where you just suppress everything you've gone through and you've never really explored who you are or how you felt about things and why you felt that way like where is it coming from where is it stemming from Mm -hmm. and so for him I feel like we've been able to maintain some sort of an if you could call it a friendship it's not really a friendship but it's like yeah we still talk here and there but, mm-hmm. and I think he has a good heart. That's why I still talk yeah. to him. Like he's a good person yeah. and he doesn't mean any harm. He just doesn't know himself at all. He's so lost. And yeah. I think when people are lost, they don't think about the consequences and they don't think about how it impacts other people because they're in this yeah. bubble where the mm-hmm. world is about them because they need to find yes. themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like they're kind of narcissistic. A little bit. Because yeah, they haven't sure. found themselves. Exactly. But they don't see it like that. Because they're unaware. And I think people at this stage, they also are lacking self-awareness and, you know, the skill of self-reflection. And I think it's so pivotal in growing Mm -hmm. as a person. And you can't grow if you don't confront the things that affect you, you know, and use them to your advantage to, like, push yourself Mm -hmm. to be better. And so with him, (laughs) he was a fuckboy. I know that he just thinks he's, like, real good looking. He knows girls, thinks he's cute and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So the general fuckboy stuff. And also Mm -hmm. because he has a lot of underlying issues that, could point towards mental health and him not looking after himself in that sense. So in that, that was one of the biggest fuckboy experiences I had, but then it was also one of the most bizarre, like crying in front of me the third time we met and seeing right through the facade of I'm a man, Mm -hmm. I don't need help, I don't need this. And then when we kept Mm -hmm. in touch afterwards, it was always the same thing. He would continually like flirt with me. He's a continual flirt. No matter what. give up. Even when you had a boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Even when I had a boyfriend, like this was recently too, like last month, two months ago, he would always like respond to pictures that I posted on Instagram with like a fire or 100 or like hot (laughs) eyes. And he would send these reactions to me (laughs) and I would show my boyfriend at the time and he'd be like, what a loser. <laughs> like, what the what hell? What a loser. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but he does this. He's harmless. It's fine. Because I know yeah. that I can hold my own and I don't yeah, need to be yeah. protected from guys like that. And so when he does that, I just find it funny. And I know that mm-hmm. I've sent you screenshots every time he does something yes. like that. And I was like, oh, he it comes back out of the wild. woodwork. He just pops up out of nowhere randomly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. 
What I can say, though, is before I dated my most recent ex, (laughs) me and this person, this Swedish dude, we've Mm -hmm. always had this weird thing where we can't completely be platonic. Mm -hmm. Like, even though there's always this thing in the air where it's like we know we're both attracted to each other. Yeah. But then a lot of the time we chose not to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But it's weird. So I don't I think with him the friendship is a weird friendship. Like we can never really be friends. No. Per no. se. But we can stay connected. And I just have to take a wild guess and say the times when you've decided not to do anything, I'm sure if you indicated that you were up for it, he wouldn't stop you. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's the thing. I think in his life he has like this void and to ignore it, he tries to fill it with dating yeah and just seeing girls and things like that and that's that's really sad because nothing will ever get better but no yeah but for sure it's sad for him and for the girls because then i think that there are certain people who will date someone and they'll be like i want to fix this person i want to help them and then they're stuck with the burden of doing the emotional work that this person honestly should have done on their own years ago and trying to do it for them. And you really can't do it for somebody. Somebody has to be fully invested in doing that work on their own. And then maybe you can help make a positive impact, but you can't take on all of that burden yourself. Exactly. And I think with people like this guy, the Swedish one, I don't think he's very open with his Mm -hmm. struggles with mental health. I'm a big advocate for mental health and like Mm -hmm. self-love and self-development and things like that. I I care about a lot of people. I even care about, you know, people I don't really know, but for him, for him to to see him so vulnerable like that, I was like, I don't want you to feel that way. That's so shit. You would never wish that upon anyone to feel so trapped Mm -hmm. in their own mind and their own body that they can't deal with it. And that they're too afraid to seek help. You know, you would not wish that upon anyone. And so Mm -hmm. to see him struggling like that, I just felt so, Ugh, like I wanted to help, but I can't, as you said, you yeah. can't help these people. They need to want to help themselves and to take yeah. the first steps, but you can be some sort of support for them if they want to mm-hmm. turn to you as you would with any of your loved ones, you know, but yeah, for him, he was like a weird case of a fuck boy that I yeah. dated. Very bit. bizarre. And kept in contact with. And then now he's still weird. We'll have like meaningful conversations about stuff. And then he'll like just, be a fuckboy, normal fuckboy again and just react to all my, like, stories on Instagram and stuff. It's really weird. He, like, switches between the two. He's like... It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Heidel. Yes! Yes, it is! It's like, I'm vulnerable, but I'm a man, so I can't be. So I'll switch and I'll be a fuckboy again. Like, that's how he is, and it's just so bizarre. It's very That's exhausting. It is. But, yeah, I just find it funny every time he pops up. I'm like, okay, hi. Yeah, it's you again. I'm glad to see you're still in one piece. (laughs) So I kind of want to go back because you mentioned that, you know, he was hitting on you when you had a boyfriend and Mm -hmm. it's very clear that you are no nonsense and you are a good judge of character and you're not going to take any like bullshit from people. So I would love to hear what kind of differentiated guys who you met in Berlin, who you actually did form a serious connection with from all of the other people who you made less significant connections with. Mm. So with the first one, he was a German guy I dated, I think a few months into being in Berlin. Like we met and I think our first date was just off the charts. Like I was uh, a dog sitter at the time. So I was dog sitting Mm -hmm. that day and we wanted to meet, but we didn't have time in the week. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm just dog sitting today. I'm going to be at this park. Like 
come by if you want. And he came by Mm -hmm. and he brought some grapes for us to snack on and some nuts. And he brought dog treats for the dog, which I thought was so thoughtful. That's so cute. Yeah. So cute. And so already off the bat, great impression. And like when we started talking, because when I first looked at him, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then then as we started talking, like the way he came across, he was like very eloquent. He Mm -hmm. sounded so intelligent. He knew what he wanted in life. He was accomplished. He was successful Mm -hmm. in what he was doing. And he just sounded really well-traveled, which is Mm -hmm. really important for me, like people who are big travelers because I am. And I just crave it more and more no matter how much I do. And so that stood out for me. And also he just seemed to be – a really understanding person and just overall really interesting. And he was very funny and Mm -hmm. just really relaxed. Like on our first date, the connection was off the charts for me. Mm -hmm. And so afterwards we wanted to keep talking because I could have talked to him for like so long, forever. If no one stopped us, if we didn't have other plans, I would have just kept talking to him. But I invited him into my place for tea. And so he came in and we had like tea and biscuits and we just kept talking. We were sitting on my couch and just chatting, 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 just like continually talking about anything and everything in the world. And I found out that he loves dogs. That's a big thing for me also. Yes. yes. He's a big 80s music fan, which is huge for me (laughs) because I'm all about the 80s. And he was just, oh, he just seemed so, so, like, amazing. Like, he just seemed Mm -hmm. like such a good egg. And I was like, wow, like, holy crap. I feel a connection. And honestly, on that first, date if you could call it that I wanted to like Mm -hmm. make a move and I didn't I was like okay give it time yeah Yeah. give it time so I didn't do anything but then after I went on a date with him I went on a date with some other dude which was like a total Mm -hmm. mistake that was ridiculous Mm -hmm. but anyway after that I realized (laughs) I realized that I wanted to date you know him after seeing that guy I was like nah I don't want any of this anymore and then Mm -hmm. so pretty much in the next few dates we got to know each other more and the more I got to know him the more I like the only thing that stood out to me was that he wasn't family oriented Mm, and that's a really big thing for me as I said before I'm really close to my siblings to my parents and we're really close family and I think family is if not the most important thing one of the most important things in the world in my world if anything and Mm -hmm. so that was a little bit to me like oh um not great but if you're a great person doesn't really matter and so we just got along so well to the point where like I talked to my siblings about him and I was like, yeah, he just seems like such a, an amazing person. Like I could see this really going somewhere. And also he was older. I've never dated anyone. At the time I was 27 and he was 32, I think. So I've never dated okay, okay. anyone like that significantly older than me. Yeah. And I was like, wow, he's got his shit together. And I find it attractive when guys have their shit together. Oh, absolutely. And when they know what they, yeah. And when they know what they want and they're sort of accomplished, like I find that extremely mm-hmm. attractive. And because he was funny as well, I was like, wow, how did I find this so soon after coming to Berlin? That's crazy. And so, like, I kept my guard up, obviously, because I'm quite cautious Mm -hmm. in nature. But I let myself feel everything that I was feeling. I let myself Mm -hmm. just fall into it, and I let myself fall for him. So on our fourth date, I remember, this was one of the biggest conversations early on. On the fourth date, he said, oh, so I'm thinking of going to Italy. Do you want to come with me? On the fourth date. Mm -hmm. So we ended up planning a trip to Italy, and... This was before we established that we were official. And then we established we were official. And it was all really lovely. And it was like rainbows and butterflies everywhere. And it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where 
he was like, oh, should we find an apartment together? And this was so soon. Like, yeah, I think, I think me being in Berlin is sort of like what you were saying before about when you're on holiday, you have mm-hmm. like no limitations. And in yeah. Berlin, because 2019, I wasn't working. I just went to travel. Like, I quit my job, as I said, and I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, living life. I sort of had that feeling. And so I said yes to everything. I was very much a yes person in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when he asked me that, I was like, I had reservations because I was like, man, I would never do this back home in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. But then when he asked me, I was like, why not? I'm in Berlin. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? And Mm -hmm. so we found an apartment together and yeah. How many months in was it at that (laughs) point? Like every time I say it, I'm just like, I'm like, Kylie, what the fuck were you thinking? Honestly, it was like just over a month into it. Oh my god. That's what I thought, but I was like, I need to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as I said, everything accelerated, moved really fast, and it was mm-hmm. just like it just felt so right. And I was like, yeah. let's just do it. You're in Berlin. No one's here to judge you. Your family's not here talking yeah. to you. Just do it. No one can tell you it's a bad idea. Like, you exactly. know, you don't have any judgmental exactly. eyes. Exactly. So I was like, let's just do it. And if it's a mistake, it's your own mistake. It's fine. And so we found an apartment and I feel like for me, in my eyes, the worst thing did happen. So as soon as we moved in, I'm talking overnight, he changed. Like the fun loving, carefree, 80s loving, dog loving person with a good head on his shoulders. Like that was like, God. And then he turned into your typical... Like, again, I don't mean it in an offensive way or anything, but your typical German that you would think of. Mm -hmm. So he started being super anal about everything. Like, everything had to be in a particular place. I had to behave in particular ways. He would say things to me like, yeah, when I come home, like, I just want time to myself. So I didn't approach him when he came home. And then later on, yeah. You guys are still in the honeymoon phase. So I feel like it's way too early for him to be like, I need my space. Like, what? It was your idea to move in. I know it was his idea and I was like and then at one point I said to him this was your idea if you want your mm-hmm. own space why did you ask me to move in with you like why and yeah. he goes because I wanted you to I was like but do you I always you ask really? people I'm like do you really though yeah. like think about it and he's like no I did I just need space and he played lots of games like it was like he would mm. again going back to the whole Berliner dating experience you know how I said people think mm-hmm. they know what they want and they don't he was a good example yeah. of this as well and mm-hmm. he he said things to me like, yeah, I need my space. So I gave him space. Like, I mm-hmm. listened. And so I yeah. gave him space and he came home. I didn't bother him until he came to me. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we had this huge conversation. It was towards the end of our relationship. And he said, oh, I thought you were playing a game. Like, who would approach who first? And I was like, what are you talking what? about? Yeah, the one that's what he literally said. asked for this. Yeah, he asked for it. And I was like, do you even know what you want? Like, do you know what's coming out yeah. of your mouth? Are you listening to yourself? Like, do you understand the words that are coming out of your mouth? <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, I don't understand. I was so confused because I was, if anything, being a really supportive girlfriend, like trying to, yes. you know, cater to his sort of environment that he wanted. And mm-hmm. like, he was also, can I just say this? I could never date someone who like totally calorie counts to the gram oh of like God, protein, no. carbs and fats. And he no. did that. When we moved in together, I was like, okay, you know what? To be supportive, 
I'll try it too. I didn't last very wow. long, but I tried, which yeah. is like, it's that's impressive. Because I'm a foodie. I like eating whatever I want when I feel like mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I tried that with him. And there was one time, I think I told you about this as well, but there was this one time where I said, hey, I'm going to make rice paper rolls for us, like for dinner one night. Because I was like, they're yeah. pretty healthy alternative, you know? And he goes, yeah, if it fits into my macros, then yeah, that's fine. And then he sent uh, me the exact grams of carbs, fats, and protein that should be in this meal for it to be okay for him to eat. So instead like of being literally like... no gratitude. No, and, like, that's oh, so sweet of you. Thank you for offering that. Yeah, like, I'm so looking forward to dinner. Like, I'm really excited because I was saying, like, I miss my mom's cooking, so I wanted to make something mm-hmm. that reminded me of home and for him to eat as well because he's he was a big foodie as well. But then... Yeah. How can you be a foodie and count your macros, though? <laughs> I don't know. But as I said, in the first month and a bit that we dated... He didn't. We would go out to eat mm. all the time and we would do all of this stuff. And then as soon as the we moved in together, all, yeah, everything just changed. And also all these insecurities started coming out in him. So he was mm. so confident, right? That's why I said he was like confident and he knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He was established. But then when we moved in together, all these like issues came out and I could see them more evidently like he was like oh yeah my nose is too big like I don't like this on my oh. face like I don't like my teeth oh I'm fat I used to have abs and now like uh, I feel like oh, fatter gosh. and I'm like I was like because I don't care about that stuff right a lot of the physical yeah. stuff I'm like mm-hmm. whatever and obviously yeah. if I'm dating you I think you're attractive obviously why are you putting yourself down like yeah yeah but he would say things like that and my attraction to him slowly dwindled like it just wavered mm-hmm. And it slowly yeah. reduced over time, like over the next, mm-hmm. say, month and a half or two that we lived together. I was like, nope. <laughs> and so pretty much I read this interesting thing the other day and it said that for women, and I don't know if you resonate with this too, but I just want to mm-hmm. put it out there. Yeah. It said that women usually disconnect mentally before their bodies leave. So mm-hmm. if you pretty much decide in your head, like, yeah, I don't think I want this anymore, but you'll stay for a bit mm-hmm. to see what happens. But then yes. once you disconnect your mind, it's really hard to bring you back into the relationships because towards yes. the end, I found I had already done that. I just hadn't physically left yet. Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up because I had this conversation with one of my friends literally yesterday because she was asking me if I think that guys will sometimes make rash decisions about wanting to be with somebody. And I said, yes, I can say from personal experience, like I've had an ex who ended things and then came back. And then as you know, have had a more recent experience where someone ended things abruptly and then came back. And I've thought about this quite a bit. I feel like for guys, they do make these decisions a bit rashly. And I think that also not to stereotype every guy, but a lot of times they're not always as inclined to process their emotions and be as in tune with how they're really feeling. They're just kind of like, it's fine. Like I can go through this breakup and I'll just go out with my boys and like do whatever surface level thing I can do to cope. Whereas for girls, I feel like, you know, we do analyze things. Sometimes we might overanalyze and overthink, but as a result, I feel like if we've decided to end a relationship, we've literally gone over it and over and over it and thought about whether it's the right long-term decision. So then by the time we get there, we are done and are less likely to kind of like vacillate and go back and waver and be like, did I make the right choice? Because it's like, no, yeah. I've already thought of every possible option. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do really feel like you are correct in that once you kind of get to that point, it's almost impossible to really bring yourself back. Yeah. And I think that was 
one of the points in the relationship where I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. And even though we had this big conversation, he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize how I was behaving around you. And I didn't even see all the things that you were catering to me with. Like, I didn't see what you were doing. Like, so he didn't see anything because he was so caught up in his own world. And he was so selfish at the time that all he saw was himself and what he wanted. And Mm -hmm. so when he had this conversation, he was like, who's going to change? And it was better. But then I I was done. Like, mentally, I was like, I don't want this. This isn't my ultimate. And I'm not one to waste my time. And also, I was just about to go traveling in the summer. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I wasn't going to stay in a relationship with someone, limit myself when I go. Not to say that I like dating every city I go to travel in, but yeah. like, if I wanted to, I want to have the option to do so, you know, yeah. without... You're not going to sacrifice for a relationship that's already kind of on the fritz. Exactly. And he just turned out to not be the person I want Because everything that I really, really liked about him pretty much disappeared. Like, he even got annoyed when I was listening. Like I would clean the house. We would do cleaning on like Sunday mornings or whatever, and I would like blast 80s music. And he's an 80s music lover, right? And then he yeah. said to me, I remember this one day, it really stands out, and he said to me, God, I don't know how you can listen to that all the time. Like, don't you get sick of it? And I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then slowly, like, he said he loved dogs. And when I go out, every time I see a dog, I'm like, oh, my God, you're such a sweetie. And I love I love dogs. Like, I, I fucking love mm-hmm. them so much. Like, I see them and my heart just implodes. But Aww. for him, his excitement for even for dogs and talking about dogs <laughs> just, like, Swindles. just dwindled. And I was like, what is uh. happening? Did he just present himself as the best parts of himself? That weren't even significant. Like, it wasn't him. But because he had some of those attributes, he presented it because Mm -hmm. he knew that that's who I was. Maybe. I don't know. Like, he led with the best parts. He, like, emotionally catfished you. Yeah. And I don't doubt that he has that stuff in him, but it's not him. Like, if you were to describe him, that wouldn't be the most important parts about him. But that was just our interest. And he even like exaggerated the interest and I to this day am very confused by why people do things like that but yeah yeah that was real weird but at the beginning as I said he seemed like everything that I thought I wanted but Mm -hmm. in the end he wasn't so yeah but that was that relationship and it was very bizarre it didn't last for very long but it accelerated like years ahead of its time I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I believe that, you know, you take something away from all the experiences you have. Like, nothing's a waste of time. But (laughs) it was very confusing. And, yeah, I guess the lesson I learned from it was not to jump into things like that. Not to move in with anyone after one month. That's the main (laughs) (laughs) one. And to, like... Yeah, and to just, you know, keep your guard up a little bit, just to keep your guard up a little bit. But I think I do that naturally already. But I think it was a good reminder that not everyone is who they present themselves to be. I think that one was disappointing for me because it started off as, you know, wow, this seems like a really mature relationship. And then in the end, he didn't know himself enough to, you know, actually present himself in a genuine way, which is bizarre. No. But Yeah. That's disappointing, yeah. especially when you meet someone at 32 who exactly. is still struggling with that. Yeah, and then in my mind, I was like, wow, he's 32. When will I meet someone who knows themselves and is yeah. genuinely and unapologetically themselves no matter what? You know, they present the real them to you. Like, mm-hmm. when will I meet someone like that? If someone who's 32, who seems so accomplished and has his shit together, 
he still doesn't know himself. Like, does this yeah. person exist? Does it exist? I'm not sure. I know. But like, <laughs> I, yeah. I've had that thought too. Like, I've definitely met people who are around the same age. And I've actually had friends where I'm like, you know, we're talking about like, oh, like, how old is he? Blah, blah, blah. And like, if you say 32, I feel like people's instinctive reaction is like, oh, that's a good age. And I agree. Yeah. I feel like in theory, <laughs> it is a really good age. Yeah. But yeah, it does not guarantee self-actualization, unfortunately. Not at all. Not at all. And I know that I said that to you recently too. And it's just, mm-hmm. that's instinctually what people say, right? Because yeah. you're like, oh yeah, you're going into your 30s now. You've had mm-hmm. more than a decade out of your teenage years. So yep. surely you have found yourself. But nope. But as we I all know, know, there are some people who never find themselves and it's unfortunate, but... Yeah, it really that's is. Just, yeah, and I happened to meet one of those people who put on this whole facade in the first half of our relationship. And yeah. when they revealed who they really were, I was like, nope, this is not what I signed not up for. Interested. This is not, no. yeah, not interested. This is not what I want. And so, yeah, that was a bit of an interesting one, but it was a good indication to me as well that people aren't always who they present themselves to be. So mm-hmm. good learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you think that it's best to kind of keep your guard up for a little bit of time. I guess, how do you recommend that people kind of transition from the honeymoon phase in order to realize whether someone is a good fit for you? Because I feel like that can cloud a lot of things for somebody as they're just starting to date a person. It definitely does. When you say honeymoon period, you're talking about mm-hmm. that period where you don't really see anything wrong with that person. Everything they do is bliss and you're just like so over the moon because you have this amazing connection with someone. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. I think that for me, I mean, granted, I will say I don't really get into fights often with people that I'm dating. I have had one person where that was not the case where we fought more often than is normal Mm. for me. I think that was just um, indicative of it not necessarily being like the right fit or the healthiest connection. But I say all that just to say, yeah, I don't typically fight with someone. But you know, like in any relationship, if you date long enough, you're going to have a disagreement about something. I feel like in the honeymoon period, it's like pre-argument. It's like you haven't even fought over anything because it's like they can do no wrong in your eyes (laughs) and vice versa. And you're just so excited to be around them that you're not going to necessarily get upset about the things you might get upset about later on. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's what I think the universal meaning of like honeymoon phase is but for me Mm -hmm. I don't think I have honeymoon phases because I'm very much a realist when it comes to relationships and I will pick up on things even if it's a honeymoon period and I feel like I'm so happy and you know they can do no wrong and things like that I still pick up things people say like yes along the way they might say things and I'll note that because it's something that I want to reflect on later And so Mm -hmm. the only recommendation I can give is even though you feel so ecstatic about this new relationship and this new connection and you're getting to know this wonderful person, I think there's a part of it where you need to really bring yourself back to reality and really watch the way they behave with you and with other Mm -hmm. people and the things they say about certain topics that might be really significant to you. Yeah. Like just listening to their thoughts on that because I think that, again, the things that come out of someone's mouth really tells you a lot about them. And sometimes people say things without thinking about it. And again, Mm -hmm. if they don't think about it and they can't, you know, filter what they say, that's genuinely them. So if you're listening to those sorts of things and when you discuss topical things and you, you like note their opinions and the way you speak about things you're against as well, really show 
how compassionate you are and how willing you are to step outside your comfort zone and, you know, the world that you believe in because there are so many different realities for different people. So, yeah, that's what I do. Even during, like, my honeymoon period with this German guy that I got into a relationship with, I would note things that he said about particular topics and people Mm -hmm. and I would just keep that in mind for later. And it was great because later on when I did have a lot of time to reflect and things started going wrong in the relationship or he started being someone who he didn't present to me in the first place, like I had all of this to look back on and be like, okay, so this is a sign, this is a sign, okay, all of this lines up, it all makes sense, this is what I'm presenting myself with now. So 100% enjoy yourself in the honeymoon period. It's so blissfully happy, but the one thing I don't believe is that ignorance is bliss and I would never ever let myself be in a place where I feel like I'm ignorant to things that are right in front of me. So I will always pick up on things. Even if I'm blissfully happy, I still pick up on things and it's still okay to pick up on things and still be happy. It's still possible. It's just, it is. Yeah. You make note of it. It's hard. It's harder, but yeah, it is. It is. It's definitely harder because as you said, your judgment's a bit clouded because you're so happy and because it's so exciting, Mm -hmm. like this new possible love story. But Yeah, again, you just have to be real with yourself. And it's up to you how you sort of handle yourself in those situations because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have found myself overlooking things before, like when I was like 19. And they would say something and I'd be like, oh, that's a bit concerning, push. And I'd push (laughs) it to the back of my mind. (laughs) And I was like, like, I'll deal with it later. And I'm like, no, that's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for that person. It's not good for anything yeah honestly like even your happiness that's fleeting because if you're seeing things that concern you they need to be addressed at least within yourself don't even have to address it with that person yet if you don't want to but you should think about what it means to you and so yeah when I say like having your guard up and things like that that's what I mean like just noting things about other people and how they behave and what they say and things they do so yeah Yeah, I guess that's the only, like, recommendation I could have. I mean, that's a great recommendation, though. I feel like it's good (laughs) advice. It's, like, enjoy the honeymoon period, but, like, pay attention. Mm. Pay attention and don't, like, turn a blind eye to things that you see that concern you. Or even if it's, Mm -hmm. like, you know, sometimes it's not a huge concern, but there's just this feeling in your body that tells you, oh. You have to trust your gut. I'm not sure about that. And yes, that's such a big thing. Trusting your gut is huge. And I think that it's so instinctual for us to have a gut feeling about something and then to follow our hearts. And usually that's what you do. That's what you do in honeymoon periods. But you need Mm -hmm. to listen to your gut, not even to your mind, your brain. Yeah, you're right. right. So Mm -hmm. your gut feeling is a lot of the time really spot on. Mm -hmm. It really is. And you can give it time, but also give it space to sort of grow and reflect and develop because your gut feeling can change Mm -hmm. but you need to give it the space to develop because if you don't then (laughs) you know worse things can happen and you won't see it coming but yeah I think it's better to just be well informed no matter Mm -hmm. what part of your life it is especially when it comes to something where you choose to spend your time with someone they should be worth it you know yeah it's true like Mm. it's your whole life can't take it lightly 
Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's a perfect transition into a game that I wanted to play with you. And so I wanted to play a game of Red Flag Deal Breaker. And so these particular scenarios, I actually got them from this Instagram account. It is called To All the Guys I've Dated. And mm-hmm. so essentially, they get these letters from their followers about things that guys have done on dates or in relationships. So some of them are a little ridiculous, but allegedly, they have all happened. So if this happened to you, would you push on or would it be an immediate deal breaker? Okay. All right. I'm ready. (laughs) All right. So they ask you on a first date to the theater to see a show, but they have only purchased their ticket. So you arrive and you have to buy your own ticket. And then you're like sitting in separate parts of the theater because they just didn't go out of their way to buy a ticket for you. That's so weird. Why would you do that? That's really weird. I think that's so odd that you would ask someone to go with the theater with you and then you're fine with sitting on opposite sides of the theater. Yeah, it's not even a date. That just sounds like stupidity. Maybe it's just like <laughs> like lack of forward <laughs> thinking. I think it's a red flag because I don't think it really reflects on them like being a bad person or anything. It's just one mm-hmm. thing, but it depends on yeah. their consistency after that. How about for you? That's true. <laughs> Uh, it's so tough. I don't want to say it's a deal breaker. I will say I think chivalry is really important. And yeah. so for me, it's not like, oh, you have to take me to a steak dinner on our first date. It's not like it's not that. However, I feel like, you know, whatever level of investment you are comfortable with on a first date, you should be comfortable with. So it's like if you're like, oh, our first date is going to be coffee. That's great. But if you're like, oh, our first date is going to be to the theater, then I'm kind of like, Hoping that it's you treating me and wanting to show me a good time. Not you being like, oh, well, I got this seat for myself. Like, whatever's left, you can just sit there and we'll meet up afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's an odd situation and I'm in disbelief that someone actually did this. Honestly, it just sounds too unbelievable that I feel like it comes down to that guy just being real stupid and not being able to plan anything. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. Not not forward thinking. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) All right, so you go back to their place for the first time and you see, like, without even getting into their bed or anything, their sheets are just, like, visibly dirty. Probably a deal breaker because, first of all, (laughs) I'm allergic to everything. (laughs) So you can't date this person. My environment needs to be generally clean and if Mm -hmm. I can see that they're just slobby, that's really unattractive because I was just like, where's the pride in your, your home? Like the way you yeah. present your home, like can't just be your own body and it's be your environment around you because I think that feeds into your energy as well. So it does. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a deal breaker. I'd be like, yeah, no, nah, thanks. Bye. I just no. walk out. I'd be like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a deal breaker for me too. And it's like, yeah. I'm a pretty neat person. Yeah. So that would also just like, aside from the whole pride <laughs> aspect, which is huge, like that says a lot about mm-hmm. their respect for themselves. It would also just drive me insane personally. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do it. Yeah, me either. Like, I'm not the cleanest person, but I'm quite clean, like just on a basic level <laughs> yeah because I have because yes. I have to be and because clutter really stresses me out so I can't I can't have it anywhere all right so this next one pretty ridiculous so you plan a video date with this person and at some point during the video date they start doing pull-ups in their home 
I think it's a red flag. I just find it funny, to be honest. Like, I'd yeah. be like, yeah. what are you doing? I don't want to see, I don't want to see you do that. Like, pay attention to me. And then I just make fun of them. Yeah. But like, that's a good yeah, response. I guess, I guess a red flag, because I would just find it hilarious and then like never mm-hmm. let them live that down if we continue, oh my God, you know? No. Yeah. And if, yeah, if that's true. You can always hold it over them. <laughs> Remember that time we were talking and you just started doing pull-ups in front of me? Like, what the fuck was that about? Or the other response I could do is I would start exercising as well. So I was like... Yes. Oh, I didn't know that this was a workout class. Oh, okay, cool. Let's do this. (laughs) So I would just reciprocate, but I would find it very humorous. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't take offense to it. It's just hilarious and really weird. It's very bizarre. (laughs) So this actually happened to me. So I'm actually curious to get your thoughts. So you meet up for your first date and to give context, it's the first date where you're like ordering dinner and drinks at a restaurant and mm-hmm. they're wearing sweatpants. <laughs> Red flag. Red flag. Not a deal breaker yeah. for me because them showing up to one date wearing that outfit isn't indicative of how they dress all the time. But I guess it's a red flag because, yeah, I think it's a red flag because um, you're like, okay, so here I am looking all cute mm-hmm. and you kind of been put effort to put trousers on or jeans or something. Yes. Like, and then again, I would call them out on it and make fun of it and make them. You know, I really should have. <laughs> I just didn't have that kind of banter with this guy. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't go on a second date with him, but yeah. the sweatpants weren't like the only reason. It was just like, wait, you're wearing sweatpants. And then, he, I don't know, it was just like a little awkward. So yeah. I was not comfortable enough to roast him, but he probably should have been at least lightly <laughs> roasted. Yeah, I think so. I think it's always a good idea to lightly roast people because that's what yeah. I do all the time. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. I, I think it just makes things lighter. And also because... When I date, I've never dated looking for something, as I mentioned before. So yeah. I think I'm never afraid to make people feel uncomfortable because I think yeah, the way people respond is also a telltale sign of who they are. So mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Push them out of the comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So this next one. So you get dinner and you get like about the same thing and you offer to split the bill, but he won't accept because you've got cheese on your burger and therefore you owe more than he does oh my god that's a deal breaker that there is a deal breaker for me I have dated someone before where they would pay for things right Mm -hmm. and then they would make a list on their phone of all the money I owed them no yes yes and so you just saying that just then about some cheese you got triggered (laughs) that triggered me hard I was like no way that's ridiculous not again yeah but can you believe that like, this is all the no, money you owe me. that's so, Yeah. Ew. It wasn't even like, like hey, it's babe. it's just I sh- so petty. I know. It wasn't even like, oh, hey, babe, I'll grab this dinner. Yeah. Where's the romance at that point? I know. It takes away all of that. It takes away all the romance. And I was just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not okay with this. So anytime yeah. anything like that comes up, where it has to be totally even in the middle, I'm like, this is f- stupid. Like, yeah, that's just not a generous person, you know? And it's not like, yeah. I don't mean generous in the sense of, like, you have to pay for everything. But if you're going to be that nitpicky, it's, like, clearly you're not necessarily going to be forthcoming with, like, I don't know, just offering to, like, do nice things or, like, treat your partner. Yeah. When you say do nice things, it just reminds me of, like, the love languages. And one of mine is yes. a service, like, people going out of their way to do things. And if you don't want to yeah. spend money on cheese... Would you want to spend money on, you know, maybe, maybe I need help with something and it costs money. Would you not do it because it costs you money and you're too much of a cheap right? to do it? 
Yeah. Yeah. So it makes you think about that as well. Like, would they be willing to go out of their way to do things for you if there is Mm -hmm. something financial attached to it? Or would they just be like, nope, it costs money, so I'm not going to do it? Like, what is their... Sorry, good luck. Yeah, what's their money mindset about that? Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's their relationship with money? It's very interesting, actually. Yeah. All right, so this last one. So you ask him who he's voting for, and he responds with, when is the election? (laughs) Deal breaker. I think it's a deal breaker because, like, honestly, you live in this world. It's all over social media. It's all over the news. It's all around you. And how can you be so ignorant? Unless it's a joke. But we're saying this is for real, right? For real. Yeah. For real. I would just be like, how can you not when it's so pivotal for the country you're in? It's so pivotal for the world that you live in and the society that is going to be built based on this. So for someone to be so out of touch that they're like, what? What are you talking about? When? I just be like, oh, never mind. I'll just finish this meal and leave. Yeah, but pretty much. Yeah. How about for you? Would that be a deal breaker? No, that's a deal breaker for sure. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is so important. And it's not even like you have to be the most politically active person, but you need to be Mm -hmm. aware of what's happening and like have an opinion. Yeah, exactly. I guess it applies more to when you're in a relationship and you start seeing a few red flags, like listen to your gut about them and let yourself see them. Don't ignore them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's great advice to leave listeners with. But before I let you go, I wanted to ask if there's anything that you wanted to plug anywhere that people can find you to see all your great foodie pics or your dog videos. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I just have Instagram and my Instagram is Kylie Yeah, so my name one word. And mm-hmm. yeah, I have lots of uh dog videos there, food pictures, <laughs> my travels, family, like just lots of different things I post here and there, but I generally post more when I'm traveling, so it'll be yes. a little bit more quieter in the meantime. Thank you so much. This was so great and it's always great to it have was. a chat. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so much fun. Definitely follow Kylie if you are looking for inspiration to quit your job and travel. Because every time (laughs) I look at your Instagram, that's all I want to do. I'm like, why do I have a nine to five job? So yeah, great inspo and great wisdom as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do this. And I feel like, of course, this leveled up from just our personal conversations about dating all the time. So this was great. Agreed. (laughs) This was so much fun. Thank you for doing this. No, thank you. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.